It's new Dal Diab, and welcome back to another episode of our little slice of internet filth. Talk until the joy is gone. Before we launch into episode 106, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of those other podcasts born of the lockdown here in the UK. Those that fell by the wayside and have faded to footnotes of internet history. A moment of silence. Anyway, enough of that maudlin pseudo-bragging. My name is Rooney, the voice that will not be silenced. And here with me is the silence that should not be voiced. Reggie, um, should we really be looking down our noses at people that, you know, chose having a real life over podcasting? <laughs> Abso-fucking-lutely. Okay. Do, do they get a daily feed of filth, smut, and barely, conce- barely concealed pornography sent to their WhatsApp group? No. Exactly, yeah, if so for nothing really, else. <laughs> they may have lives, but it's really their loss. It's okay. their loss, exactly. They don't get they don't get a daily dose of Will. Will, yeah. <laughs> or a peek behind the curtains for uh, the for Will and Roxanne to see what goes on in their lives. I tell you what, right, when we first started this podcast, <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect in the long term. <laughs> Certainly did not expect Will and Roxanne there. <laughs> like it's 90% those two yeah. with you adding commentary Warren just every so often pick it, picking his head above the parapet to offer some yeah. sort of caustic commentary on what someone's just said Ash <laughs> just mugging everyone off yeah. <laughs> and Casey turning up occasionally to just be like look I'm doing fun stuff look what I'm doing guys <laughs> and then Amy just posting gifts of laughing yeah. <laughs> oh someone's clearly at my dog because the dog's going ballistic it's either that or he's just remembered I'm he's here. just remembered you're yeah. here and he's just like fuck you guy I come in the studio and he come flying up the stairs, stood at the door, bared his teeth at me, growled, (laughs) and then ran straight into your bedroom. Like, oh yeah, I've done what I wanted to do, and I'm going to run away in case you do anything to me. (laughs) He knows, he knows that I'm lurking somewhere, and he's going to get a bollocking if he carries on. So he just like slinks off and lays on his bed, whining and growling to himself. I'm trying an experiment this week. What's that? A complete lack of enthusiasm and energy because you tried this last week. No. I seem to recall, actually, that you were like, oh, no, next week we'll be back on form. I'm back, I'm back, I'm, I'm on form. I haven't once stared at you open mouth like I don't know what to say. Mate, we're only like four minutes in, okay? And two minutes of that was talking before we actually started the recording. No, what I've what I've said to you the last few weeks when we finished recording is I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, normally I'm <laughs> focused. I'm like one step ahead of the conversation. I know where I want to take it. Yeah. I've got stuff to say but the last few weeks i've been all over the place and i realized that i've probably just drunk way too much coffee and i'm just sitting here buzzing and can't focus <laughs> on anything so this week i've drunk way less coffee <clears throat> so i may come across as low energy but i'm focused i'm ready i can roll with the punches fingers uh, crossed <laughs> I, I mean yeah i was gonna say i don't hold out much hope for this new approach if i'm being totally honest but <laughs> <laughs> I know 105 episodes were built on me being so highly caffeinated that, <laughs> that I come across as high energy. But caffeine filth and and barely veiled, thinly veiled bullying is basically the essence of this podcast. So what you're saying is no, no more experiments. I just get super <laughs> just, highly caffeinated. Just inject the caffeine straight into yeah, your veins. Okay. Do an eyeball pull and just do little eight-hour oh, energy shots straight into your eyes. <laughs> just straight espressos just in my eyes. <laughs> Don't even wait for them to cool down. The heat is part of it. That burning <laughs> oh, yeah. sensation lets you know you're alive. Yeah, because who needs two eyes to podcast? I mean... You could get an eye patch and then you'd be cooler. 
Oh, really? Yeah, eye patches are cool, man. I'd be cooler if I'd got a cape and a cow. Not so much an eye patch <laughs> and a, a false leg. <laughs> you said about false leg? What? That's pirates, right? They have false legs. I'm just saying eye patch. You know, Snake Plissken, he had an eye patch. He was cool. Yeah, but he's not exactly Batman, is he? No, true. But, you know. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm on a major Batman kick. <laughs> really? I never would have guessed. <laughs> the last 24 hours has awoken the Batman fan in me. <laughs> Oh, you'll enjoy my trivia then, because I've got... Uh, guys, I have a lot of trivia... Trivia? I'm making up words now. I have a lot of trivia for this episode. Um, probably because this is a Batman yeah. film. So there is so much Batman trivia that basically... Uh, this isn't even half of it I found on one page. So if you if you want more of this... If, you, if you're into this sort of shit, Warren, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Um, go away, look it up. There is so much trivia for this, and some of it is genuinely interesting. I um I was literally... I didn't pick any of the interesting stuff for my trivia. It's all very dry. Oh, good. I thought you know we we haven't had a lot of your great women of history sort of talks lately. Some people may be enjoying it too much. The podcast's getting a bit moist, a bit meaty. Okay, you so start a bit bland. What and you're dry. saying is I've got to bring some dry historical <laughs> great women of history, <laughs> histories of castles and stuff like that. Yeah, some some you know really get down into the bricks and mortar of the castles. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. We really want to know what the peons used to build their huts. Okay, I can do that. Mod- <laughs> modern, uh, hey. Waddle, waddle, waddle and daub, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Waddle and daub. <laughs> I can do that. I can come back completely dry next week. <laughs> That's the one thing I remember from going to Stansted, Mount Fitchett, Norman Village. Yeah. <laughs> Castle and Village. <laughs> we went about eight times when, we were, when I was at... Junior school, and that's the only thing I remember is how they built their houses. I remember nothing except just running around all day like this is fucking great. I wish I, <laughs> I, wish I could live here. Wish I could live here. This is so much better than school. Exactly. Central heating, pa. Who needs that? I want to live like a medieval peasant. I don't need central heating. All, all I need is a wood burner. I'd be well happy. Even a fucking wood burner. That's two episodes I'd you mentioned wood burners now. One as soon as I get my place, well, I'm getting a wood burner. I have a wood burner. I call it a chimney. It lives in my garden. Actually, I have an incinerator as well, which we spark off every so often. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to admit, circle back to about five minutes ago, when I text you what we were doing this week, mm-hmm. my first thought was, I cannot wait for the trivia. <laughs> like, this is going to be super exciting. So <laughs> I don't think I'd ever call my trivia exciting. It's exciting to me. I love it. <laughs> like, I love this film, so it's exciting to me. But um, before we get into that... How was your week? It's been very quiet. Yeah? Yes. Currently unemployed. So not really been... I mean, we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. Which, uh, for this week, not a lot's happened. I slept until half 11. It's now only 20 past two. So I I went to the chemist and to Poundland, came back, and then you were knocking on my door. Oh, okay. But last week, week I did a fuck ton of gardening uh, and stuff in my garden, which... I really don't enjoy. No, you, you've never struck me as a as a gardening kind oh, of person. I fucking hate... I like having a garden. I like having a tidy garden. I fucking hate, with a passion, gardening. I'm not really fussed about having a garden, to be honest. I guess the only times I ever really use my garden is like when the sun's out and I'm on a sunbathe. But... Oh, yeah, that's what I use it for. When the sun's out, I'm out there. I'll be out there all fucking day long, basically, until it gets dark. Yeah, there's plenty of places I can go and do that. I don't need a garden. Oh, no, no, no. I can sit there Compared to in the my upkeep. hammock... Do you know what I mean? Compared to the upkeep of the garden, <laughs> I'd rather just go. I would like to. I would like to slab it all over. Yeah, basically, and just have nothing but paving slabs. Perhaps a little patch of fake grass, but that's it. But there's like 
lawn and there's fucking flower beds the length of the garden that the previous tenants yeah, dug you're in. You've got me somewhere to pee. So yeah. Some grass. Yeah, I need some grass. Just like one patch. slab worth of grass. <laughs> yeah, one little paving slab. Pee there. 30 by 30 that he has to pee in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of that. Pressure washing. All boring shit. Basically, it's all in preparation for my party this coming weekend. Of course, yeah. Which, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't. Oh, reason. fuck off. No, God. No. I'd be leaving it. But, yeah, I've got people coming over and we're all going to be in the garden regardless of what the weather's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's pouring. Even if one. it's pouring. We'd all start in the kitchen, but eventually just pour out into the garden. So everyone just ends up in the garden. It's fine. How many gazebos you got for your party? Because you normally have, like, 12. <laughs> I've got my one, but I'm thinking about I might just steal my mum's one because mm. hers is bigger. And I know she'll be all like, be careful with that, be careful with that, because it's expensive. And I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm not like 15 anymore. You're going to collect Reggie near it. I'm not in my 20s anymore where everyone I invite around is smoking all the time and just burns holes in everything in the entire house, which they did so many times when I had house parties. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like, and if they do, I'll have to repair it or replace it. It's it's really not that much of an issue. But, yeah, parents, what can you do? I mean, there's a reason I, I don't host. And when I did host, <laughs> I used to have a very cunning plan of shutting everyone in, in a room. Until they got until they got contact eyes <laughs> and didn't want to do anything. <laughs> Genius. Um, That's why everyone goes in the garden. You see, because yeah. I don't care about the garden. I say I, I locked all the doors so no one could get out in the garden. So you'd have to endure. <laughs> have to just stay there yeah. and just get contact up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because then everyone's lazy and doesn't want to do anything, and then your house comes out relatively. Unscathed. Well, it's okay because like, we started sending the video to, to Amy. Back in the day, everybody I knew fucking smoked. Yeah. And they were all just wander, they'd get pierced and wander around with cigarettes, just flailing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't just you. There no, were a lot of people doing it, which is how comes various things got cigarette burns in them. Um, but these days, like, I can count on one hand the number of people I know that actually smoke. Yeah, me too. Not very fucking many. And. Of those There's people. not going to be a single, like, legit cigarette smoker at your party, is there? There might be a couple, yeah. I've got a couple of family members coming who I think still smoke. Oh, really? Yeah. They'll be gone by the time I turn up, right? I doubt it, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm told everyone the same time. <laughs> You've met all my family anyway. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> they, only got, they only got invited to... The, the, the invites to my family got extended this year because it's my 40th. Oh, okay. because Because it's a big birthday. I was like, okay, fine. I've invited some more people. Fair enough. There's a couple of people that I was obviously prepared to deal with all night. <laughs> but I wasn't prepared for the rest of them. <laughs> I think there's only two others coming. I have to start mentally preparing myself now <laughs> to be called Splinter. And... <laughs> To be abused and called gay. Uh, <laughs> I thought I, le- I thought I left all these days behind me. No, oh, God, no, not. no. Oh. They, they ain't dead yet. So uh. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so yeah, that was my week and my coming week. In fact, yeah, I've had the best week ever. Really? Yeah. What have you done that's so good? I have. Because last time I saw you, you were moaning about having to go to work. Completely avoided women. I've completely avoided women that I don't work with. I was going to say, hang on a minute. I know that your mum's a woman and I know that your boss is a woman. So uh, have you been living in a box in your garden for the last week? 
You've been hanging <laughs> no. out with those ballied up teens. Yeah. No, I sent my boss an email saying that from now on we have to we can only converse by text message and email. So if she ever needs to tell me to do anything, she has to email me from across the You just told her that whilst at work, while you're there, she has to identify as a man. Oh, yeah, they all do now. (laughs) (laughs) They've all stopped wearing skirts. They'll wear trousers. They've got (laughs) fake moustaches. Yeah, they're really taking my my flourishing mental health seriously. Flourishing, yeah, that's one way to describe (laughs) it. That's why I love them. They're really getting into your midlife breakdown, aren't they? Um, no, like, aside from, obviously, the women I work with, they are all fucking sensationally great. And my mum. I've avoided, oh, and obviously the touch of group. I don't really count them as women, though. No, they're, they're kind of asexual <laughs> yeah, I'll, animals. I wouldn't fuck any of them, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> Amy breathes a sigh of relief from the other room. Oh, come on, we've had that conversation many times. <laughs> Like, Amy, you know I flirt mercilessly with you because it's never going to happen, right? <laughs> I feel safe flirting with you because I know you're not going to make a move on me. <laughs> no, but yeah, aside from all of the um, sensational cool women in my life that I like, I've avoided any extraneous women this week and my life has vastly improved. My, I am more relaxed i am more focused i'm just all around more positive and happy because i haven't got a bunch of bitches in my life what's really funny is like for those weeks where you were being mercilessly hounded by the opposite sex you were enthused you were vibrant you were positively fucking glowing the last two weeks where you've cut them out you've been oh oh really struggling just can't get going that's because it's a lack of sex in my life (laughs) it's all right i'm working through that Eventually, I'll come out on the other side of it, <laughs> asexual. Have you been on that half price love dolls website yeah. yet? <laughs> Pre loved. I hit up Yuri. He's sending me one of his dolls. <laughs> sending you one of his exes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, is there, do you really, I feel more relaxed and more kind of like chilled out now. There are no women in my life, but you're telling me that I was full of life before. Yes, you were far, you were far more enthusiastic. You were much easier to co host with because I had to do less heavy lifting. <laughs> so what I told you're you I've got a bad back I can't keep carrying these episodes So what you're saying is you need me to be stressed and uptight Yes oh, okay. And self-medicating with very strong coffee Clearly Because that's what does it Here it goes Downloading Tinder Downloading Grinder. <laughs> See I'll get Tinder back <laughs> it's, So there's, there's Tinder I'll get a couple of girls to bring to your party <laughs> See how many survive <laughs> The wrath of a certain other person. Because <laughs> they'll just be dolls. They're yeah. just going to be fucking like... <laughs> oh, good. Oh, I wish I'd done this before. We could have invited Yuri to your party. Jesus H. Christ. Can you imagine? I just Yuri sat there next to my mum. Hello, I like the older lady. Do you like my nipples? And they just cut a hole through his shirt. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Roxanne would be fucking Roxanne off, would be fucking off them plans she's got. I could put her I could put her on the little uh, stony bit at the back and make a fucking water feature. It's <laughs> 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 just like, oh, oh, it's drying up. Yuri's nipples. <laughs> fucking waterfall. You know, like a peephole bra. <laughs> Yuri's just got like a latex top peephole. It's just his nipples sticking out. He just turns up in like a blazer and a button-down Oxford shirt and is like, hello, I come to your party. I bring the party. And he just peels back his blazer and it is just a peephole button-down. <laughs> Roxanne's instantly sucking on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
it's just like a little calf of the teeth. Do you remember when we used to make fun of each other? <laughs> this is so much. This better. is the real reason yeah. we recruited our cultists, yeah, yeah. guys. It's just so that we can abuse them. Yeah, well, it was. I was getting bored just making fun of you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been taking the piss out of each other for like twenty odd years. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> how oh. jealous would Will be though if Roxanne was sucking on Yuri's nipple? Oh, you know what he'd be like. He'd be straight up there <laughs> on the other nipple. I could do that too. Got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything bigger than a nipple? <laughs> I'll show you my helmet if you show me yours. <laughs> you he whips out his cock and Will just slides on his. Will just put his judge helmet. Oh yeah, I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, like on his birthday, on them odd occasions that he gets to top his wife? <laughs> he wears the helmet and screams, "I am the law." <laughs> <laughs> Time to bust out the lawgiver. <laughs> That's slums that he's going, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Normally you are the law, but tonight I am the law. Two minutes in the cubes. The cube is my penis. Yes. <laughs> I didn't break the law. <laughs> I am the law. Oh, now suckle. <laughs> So, are there oh, any well. are there any other <laughs> surprise guests coming to your party that, that I need to be aware of? Oh, I don't know. Like anybody, like you know, with a badge or anybody with a badge? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I have invited one of my police officer friends, but I don't think he's coming. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That's right. It's the one you know anyway. Yeah, but he <laughs> don't mean he won't arrest the rest of me. Actually, I don't know if he does that anymore. Has he retired from that? Because I know he does something else. I assumed it was like a side hustle, but yeah. he seems to be doing it like all the fucking time. So it's like my boss has... says to me, whenever I moan about like, you know, my role as a QC and how it sets me apart from everybody else, <laughs> my boss always just says to me, crap, beat that. <laughs> yeah. She always says to me, Reggie, even when a police officer goes to a party, still a police officer. <laughs> 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 and I'm just like, fuck's sake, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be friends with any of these people. <laughs> I have to put them up on their bullshit. I bet everyone else is is like prepping to come to this party. They're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, are they still podcasting? Yeah, fuck's sake. Even when a podcaster goes to a party, he's still. A <laughs> yeah. oh, for fuck's sake, they got too drunk last time and didn't think to interview anyone. Oh, what if they remember this time? They're gonna double down this time. Video, video. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'll put the little shoulder harness on. Yeah, with the with the. Thing, the GoPro. <laughs> that could get us in a lot of trouble. I could indeed. Most of it would have to be edited, blanked out, and or just yeah. deleted. <laughs> <laughs> or it would just end up in porn up. That'll just be evidence in the trial. <laughs> one one of many. Yeah. When the cultists bring a lawsuit against us for damaging their life livelihoods and repute. Reggie has claimed many times <laughs> that he cannot stand Pirates of the Caribbean, but According to this footage, here's him <laughs> blowing a pirate. <laughs> According to, uh, judging by this footage, there he is, whacking one out to uh, Johnny Depp and the Kraken. <laughs> I mean, you know, what can one say? You have to question a man that would rather masturbate publicly than, you know, get it together with a girl that's chasing him around the house all night. <clears throat> I mean, there are many questions. Many questions we could ask you. I don't think that's one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Before we say anything else incriminating, I mean, next week uh, we, we can deal with the recriminations and incriminations. Next week, hopefully, we'll have some recordings. Yes. <laughs> we can give people some first-hand knowledge. Of- you, can, you can get some first-hand experience. Of- Drunk Reggie. <laughs> Drunk Reggie. <laughs> He's not someone that comes out very often, no, thankfully. <laughs> not anymore, anyway. No. Oh, that reminds me, I'm going to a summer party this year. Oh, my. For work. Oh, my. Where they will be drinking. Drive. Carnest in London. On a boat. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I kind of, I came in to a bunch of emails because I'd obviously, I'd been off and then for my four days and I came into a bunch of emails like announcing it and saying <coughs> you need to reply by a certain date yeah obviously like the date came and passed while I, while while I was off out, yeah so I mentioned that to my boss who was just like just email this person they'll sort you out they'll sort like, you out crap <laughs> so now I'm going and I have warned them what happens when I drink but I still don't think they're prepared you can you can warn people about stuff you know you can warn someone this is going to hurt you can warn people don't do that because it will be bad. Yeah. But unless people, w- there are certain things they have to witness yeah. for themselves to really understand. And I think drunk Reggie <laughs> is one of those things you have to witness to really understand how bad bad <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> so They'll learn. At, at this point, I'm considering not drinking. But as we know, <laughs> my social anxiety will probably get the better of me. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll neck three bottles of beer before you realise it. Yeah. And, and you don't drink very wedding, much anymore. No. no. It's going to be the wedding over again. <laughs> when, when is this? <laughs> sometime in July. So, guys, sometime in August, I'll be uh, looking for, <laughs> looking not only for my missing host, yeah. co-host, who will be <laughs> at the bottom of the tent. Yeah, thrown over the side <laughs> of the boat. But I'll also be looking for a replacement for said co-host. So uh, get your applications in now. Yeah. yeah. Applications can be sent to the Touchy WhatsApp group. <laughs> No one can apply to that. Other <laughs> than the space monkeys and fucking you, I ain't never in them on here. No, come on. Which, uh, if you had to choose one person in that group to co-host the podcast, like I'm no longer here. I've been locked up for having too much empty sex, right? <laughs> you, you, you've been locked up for trying to fuck the riverboat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's bad. <laughs> you have to choose someone in that group. I know who my first choice would be, and it goes without saying. But it's up Jesus, to you. Jesus, it's like trying to pick the worst venereal disease to have slathered over your dick. Um, yeah, and when I and when we announce our picks, don't think <laughs> please don't take, take offence if it's not you. I don't know. Probably, probably Ash. Actually, Ash would be my because he's choice. a right fucking dark horse. And when we've had him on the podcast before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably Ash. You you scrape that personable surface. <laughs> it's a thin veneer. And there's and there's there's a quality podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Host. I've always said, like, even before we started this, I always said, like, he's the most personable motherfucker I've ever met. <laughs> you could put him in a room with twelve people that don't speak English and within ten minutes, like, <laughs> you know, he's won them all over. Yeah. Like he is the most personable person I've ever met. So much so he used to intimidate me because I'm like, <laughs> how am I ever going to keep up with it? <laughs> but like I've often thought, like, all we've got to do is get Ash on, on mic and the rest will just take care Let's of itself. Take care of itself. So yeah, he would be he would Although be then one. there would be the risk that he would become more popular than me, being as he is so personable. Yeah. So maybe Will. Yeah. Because everyone fucking hates Will. Yeah. So, you know. 
It would just make me look better by comparison. Maybe the better idea would be to choose selective different co-hosts for different episodes. So, like, if there's going to be, like, a filth-heavy one, you bring Roxanne in. If there's going to be, like, one where you want to annoy the listeners, you bring Will in. If you've got a sensible pod, you bring Warren in. Yeah, that'd be true. Yeah, discussing something sensible. If you're doing something PG and completely vanilla, Casey can come in. (laughs) And just make it utterly unfit for, for human consumption. No, the Christmas special was... Actually, no, yeah, the Christmas special was... Yeah, but that was special, because we actually had a seven-year-old on the episode with us. Well, <laughs> let me pull the curtain back. That was always going to be PG, right? <laughs> Cody wasn't always involved. Oh, it was just always intended to be PG anyway. Yeah, Cody was... Like, this is why I said it afterwards, and you're going, well, there was a seven-year-old, and I'm just like, I'm not going to explain it on the pod, <laughs> but I'll explain it now, is... That after Fuckjig and the disaster of trying to get people involved in that, I, I quickly realised, once my excitement about Fuckjig died down, I quickly <laughs> realised where I went wrong, which was, there's no way Casey's going to want to get involved in that. You assumed that everyone had as little uh, regard for their... No, I was just so excited about doing it, I didn't give it much thought whatsoever. <laughs> I was just like, wow, we're actually going to do I had this idea, and now it's going to come to fruition. Brilliant. I never really thought much, thought it through much further than that. <laughs> if I had, I would have realised, you know, how we did it eventually was way funnier than <laughs> it would have been originally, right? So I knew going forward, if I wanted to get Casey involved, it was going to have to be totally PG <laughs> and clean because she doesn't want to be, like, you know, heard on a podcast <laughs> like this. So going into it, it was always going to be PG. It was Christmas. I thought we could, you know, bring a PG one. And then... Originally, Lou was meant to take Cody's place on Team. Uh, so it was meant to be you, Amy, and Lou. <laughs> but then Lou, at that point, like Lou told me, he, he only gets one day off a week, and you know he's he's got a kid and he's got yeah, a life doesn't want to spend that with us. <laughs> I didn't want to like harass him and pressure him into coming. Like I think I mentioned it once, and after that, I was just like, you know what. I'll leave him be. I'm not going to put him in an, an awkward position and keep chasing him. Not like, like he did him, with me, guys. Make him say no. I'll just, I'll just leave him be. And then I had a genius idea that Cody could go on your team. <laughs> so then Cody got drafted in. Oh, but, so we yeah. kept it PG. We actually kept it PG 13 for Lou. Yeah, <laughs> but it was always meant to be PG. Much to the disappointment of Warren, who turned up like what? What? <laughs> just like PG. How was this even touching? <laughs> I came here for smut. Damn it. <laughs> but don't worry in the back of my head I know when Warren makes his debut on the pod we're going to do some real smart like that week what, <laughs> what worries me is okay so we did Futchig yeah uh, this podcast did, is getting tamer and then we did well then we did the Christmas <laughs> one which was all like super safe and yeah. you can you could play that at a school practically I don't know there was a couple of F-bombs there was a yeah not much though no um, and with about you know 20 minutes you could edit out oh, yeah, all yeah. of that um but now the 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 cultist group has grown somewhat. Yes. I really worry about the next big one that we do because we're going to have people like the Minister for Filth and Fromage. Because you know she's going to be getting involved in that. Yeah, they're all going to get involved. Especially, like, <coughs> if we don't... It all depends what ideas we have and what things yeah. come between now and Christmas. But by the time the Christmas special comes... <laughs> My no, liver ain't going to be big enough. No. <laughs> 
we may have to hire that hall that we go into on a Monday night. We might have to, yeah, yes. For a few hours to get everyone together <laughs> and find a big table. But I don't and then care get about someone that. in to mic the whole fucking thing up. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about that because Casey says she, she wants to be the host, so she can do all the work. And I'll oh, just, yes, she did volunteer to yeah, host next time. I'll just turn up with KFC and be the team captain. It'd be fun. <laughs> Like four buckets of KFC for the table. So there you go. We're taking we're taking yeah. suggestions for for the Christmas event yeah. already. <laughs> Casey's sitting there like fuck. I should fuck. Should have kept my mouth shut. No, I got to do all the work. Oh, crap. oh, I was high on that cheese board. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it was actually Ash that threw her under the bus and told me that she wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right, you got your notebook there. I have. Yeah, ready. Waiting, ready to go. I dropped it and said, I've lost my place, so you have to deal with me. have to deal with you. You have to bear with me, sorry. <laughs> I'll deal with you, just like I dealt with Carl and Jefferson. <laughs> it's a Mighty Boosh reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you want to drink Bailey's from a shoe? Want to go to a club where people wee on each other? I'm going to hurt you, my fuzzy little man, Peach. I didn't. <laughs> Get it when the admittedly funny Noel Fielding did it. I really don't get it when you do it. I'm sorry. I'm old Greg. Anyway, <laughs> I could I, I could never get on that Mighty Boosh bandwagon. I fucking love when Mighty the world Bush. went mad for Mighty Boosh. I was I watched two episodes and was just like, what the fuck? You sound like my parents. Yeah. Like, I, I remember when season three, uh, the first episode of season three, I took over. I was still at my parents, and I took over the TV in the living room, um, and I was like. Right, I can't watch this. It's an episode, and I haven't got this channel upstairs, so I'm taking over. To- They're like, okay, fine, we'll watch it with you. Like, great. Oh, that I hate that. That's the most awkward thing. And they were just like, "What the fuck is this?" I was like, "This is my bush." Like, what, the- what the fuck? Why are you watching this shit? We got to the end of it, and my dad was just like, "You really do watch some shit." <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck off, you!" Fuck <laughs> off, old man. You're not cool. You don't get it, man. Talking of that, I've <laughs> discovered recently that Sky History. Is the perfect place for me to plunder weird bull- <laughs> bullshit topics for the podcast, right? So I, I found all these new series about like conspiracies and Gods. ancient aliens and all this other stuff. Oh dear. And I downloaded a few episodes. So I, I mean, I actually got something for the intro today from one of these. But when um, my mum was scrolling through and she was like, You do watch some shit. And I'm like, It's all for the podcast. It's all for the podcast, <laughs> I'm honest. I don't know where else to go to find. Like I've I've exhausted all the weird shit I know. I need to go. And, <laughs> you need to go and find more weird yeah. shit. Let's go find more weird shit. And apparently, Sky History is the place because I don't actually tell the truth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody watches that. No one's interested in the truth. No, and that's that's Murdoch's channel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He don't care about the truth. No. Truth is an inconvenience as far as he's concerned. Um, right. First part of my intro. Short and sweet, but I feel it it deserves a discussion between us on the podcast, right? Okay. Have you ever heard of Jake Daniels? Isn't that the little brand uh, bourbon? (laughs) (laughs) This week, Jake. Sorry. It's not even a good joke. <laughs> We're both just sitting there completely thrown, just like... It was that, when I first started talking, you just had this <laughs> blank, uncomprehending look on your face, and then I could see this slow, reluctant dawning of realisation. It's because this guy's been in the news all week, so I expect you to go, oh, actually, I might have heard of that. I didn't expect you to. 
do that. Right. <clears throat> this week, Jake Daniels, a 17-year-old professional footballer, came out as gay. Is it Jake? I thought it was Jack. I thought it was Jack Daniels because I've been I've been biting my tongue about making jokes about how can a bottle of booze come out one way or the other, um, and I thought it was Jack. Yes, it keep talking, keep talking. I, I mean, talking. <laughs> I've said what I needed to say. No, it's, it's Jake. It's Jake. Like, okay. Yeah, because I did read about eight articles in order to get this one paragraph. Okay, fair enough. And <laughs> you just completely threw me. Out. <laughs> You can see the panic in his eyes. This week, Jake Daniels, a 17-year-old professional footballer, came out as gay. This may not mean much to you, but he's the first active professional footballer in England to come out since Justin Fashionu in 1980. Fashionu later committed suicide in part because of his sexuality. Oh. Um, big up, Jake Daniels. It shouldn't have taken this long for someone to show the bravery he has. I wish him all the best in life. In life and as a footballer, unless you know, obviously, I, I just assumed. Spurs. I just assumed that like all footballers, all professional footballers were gay. That was just an assumption I made because you oh, know, I'm, I'm, given the homoeroticism around the sport, I mean, every, I just assumed that everyone involved was gay. And every sport has a level of homoeroticism <laughs> about it, whether it's you know showering together or <laughs> slapping each other on the bum or hugging and kissing each other when you scored a goal. No man, that was one try, time, okay, or a touchdown. <laughs> and you know what I mean? There's it all. It all has a level level of homoeroticism. Exactly. I just assumed they were all yeah. like Anne Rice vampires. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought that's where she got the idea from. Yeah, professional sport is one of possible. Not maybe not within the sport, but you could look at professional sport from the outside and say, "Jesus, that's homophobic place." Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fair to say. Yes. <laughs> now this is great story. Fifty percent of it's great. The other fifty percent <laughs> of it really sucks. Yes, it sucks that it's taken thirty-two years for someone else to come out. Yeah, it sucks that we have to use words like brave and courageous. <laughs> yeah, for someone who, in any well, ninety-nine point five percent other professions, is you know protected by HR and everyone else, and it's not a thing. Yeah, right. But in this profession, you it's, can't. Yeah, you can't do it. He's got to then well, go out have and a thousands of people, and uh, probably about seven, probably about fifty percent of those will hate him for what he's done, and about ninety percent of those people will just go along with that fifty percent. Mm, I don't know. I think it's changed. Like I had a season ticket at Spurs in the nineties, so I used to go everywhere. <laughs> I was subjected to listening to some horrific stuff <laughs> being shouted. I mean, I may have screamed, "Shouldn't you be out stealing cars?" to Liverpool players. I mean, that's not so much an insult as a statement of fact. (laughs) (laughs) Big up the Scousers, LNE. Yeah, my man. Um, But, like, I heard some some of the most horrific shit screamed by people that you would take one look at and be like, just an an average guy. It's like, there's nothing nothing that stands out that says he's a bigot or hate field. But (laughs) as soon as someone from the opposition comes near near the stand, (laughs) all bets are off. <clears throat> my first introduction to racism was at football. <laughs> I heard someone scream something at a player and then asked my dad in the car on the way home what it meant. What does that mean? Yeah. I got a bollock in and then, bless my dad, he used it as a teacher moment and explained to me <laughs> all the reasons why, you know, it's only idiots 
use language like that and you know it's only idiots that are racist and blah 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 and sent me on the course i'm on today of being it's got a lot to answer for yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But so back in the day, I could totally understand why you might not want to come out because you will be hounded. But in today, it's not quite as bad. Like he's still brave and courageous as a 17 year old. He's just entering the profession. Most footballers will retire and then come out of the closet. Yeah. Like, well, I say most. A couple have in the past few years retired and then gone, right, I couldn't do this while I was playing, but I'm gay, I want to live my true life. Rah, rah, rah. He's just like, fuck it, I don't want to lie. He's like, I considered that, but that is an awful long time of lying. a very long time a to lie. be lying, yeah. yeah. And I don't want, he's like, I don't want to do it. It's, it's already damaging my mental health, having to hold it in and not be myself. So fuck it, I'm just going to be honest. So, you know, big up and it's brave, but really... It's a, it's, in a, 2022. it's a pretty damning indictment yeah. that, you know, doing something so natural is can, still has to be considered brave because of the toxic elements of society. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's not just we're in the sport, is it? It's it's society, society in general. general yeah. It's something that I don't think really flies on terraces these days. I mean, every club's got its own LGBT fan, like its own group. LGBT fan group within side, oh, okay, within the bigger fan group. Like they, they have their own LGBT like stand where they all have to be herded together. Well, they do all kind of stick together. And <laughs> I mean, stick that makes sense a lot of time, yeah. But every club's got their own LGBT group within the larger fan base. Yeah, they're all like you can't go to. I don't think you can really go to a stadium, especially not in the Premier League, without seeing at least one rainbow flag somewhere yeah. representing the club. There have been people that have been. Um, homophobic at games and then being reported and <laughs> banned from football. Nice. Indefinitely because, you know, they can't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> but that, that, that goes for, for uh, that's racist, homophobic yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's the football grounds these days. I mean, until about two weeks ago when everyone decided they'd start running on pitches like the fucking 80s. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Like four pitch invasions or we'll, something. We'll get this is a good segue into something else in a minute we'll talk about, <laughs> about Boris. But like <laughs> So guys, there is nothing that we cannot turn on the Tories. <laughs> <laughs> there is um but yeah, there's a much bigger focus these days on keeping the terraces yeah. like, you know, politically correct and protecting the players. So that's all well and good, but you know, I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, big him up here because it for a seventeen-year-old, uh, that is that is a big step. Yeah, so, big big up the Aldi Bourbon. Plus, this is like the most pro kind of LGBT podcast. You can we're find just pro. For, we're, you know, we're, the pro, pro we're pro all of the pronouns, mate. Yeah, we are pro pronoun. There are probably some podcasts that you know are based <laughs> on being pro LGBT that are slightly more prone than us. Yeah, aside from them, yeah, considering that's that's not our premise at all. We are we are super pro all of that shit. So I just wanted to give him the time of day and shout him out. Right on the back of that, though, off the back of that. <coughs> in the last couple of weeks, there have been a lot of pitch invasions, like a lot of because it's the end of the season. So there's a lot of big things being uh, okay, being kind of like. A lot of big games being played where people are going to like, you know, be promoted to different leagues and or be relegated and uh, cup finals. And so and the whole season's coming to a head right now. So <laughs> there's a lot of over enthusiasm in the stands. There's a lot of people like, you know, pitch invading like it's the 80s again. 
<laughs> a lot of players getting like assaulted by fans of the other team, Oof, which nasty. is not big or clever and should never be tolerated by anyone. Assault is assault. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, but to combat this, Boris has decided that any anybody caught um, being antisocial at the football in possession of cocaine will not only face criminal charges, but they will be indefinite. They will be banned from all football activity for five years because Boris reckons right. <laughs> Middle-class cokeheads are the problem. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you want to go to football these days, you need to be middle-class. Yeah, I was going to say, it's no not, other fucker can afford it. It's no longer a working-class sport. But I have I have questions. Go. First of all, what the fuck has it got to do with Boris? Surely the FA should be dealing with stuff like that yeah. rather than, oh, Bojo. Bojo's just trying to get in and say, look at me, I care about the working man. Um, yeah. Why Why specify the Coke thing? What is his problem with Coke? Because, I mean, obviously he's done the Coke, so he understands the ramifications of doing the Coke <laughs> firsthand. So I is think, there a lot of Coke usage? At, at, I think there is these days. Really? I think you can... I wouldn't have thought that was really the place to do it. Really? Yeah. Why would you do Coke at a sports game? Go You're there to watch the sports. I... Like why? Why else would you pay like the price of a small family hatchback to buy I a ticket? I wouldn't. I, I'm also the guy, but I'm also the guy that doesn't drink at a gig because I want to enjoy you want to the, watch gig. the gig. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm on the outside <laughs> because it seems a lot of people like can't enjoy their sport without you know ten beers or a few lines. I think it's how odd. I think it's like the men they work up. Work all week, and then on the weekend, they go out with their mates, and they let loose, right? They leave their wives and their kids at home. They go to the football with their mates, and they all get on it, right? Okay. And I think somewhere along the line, them I haven't seen it firsthand, but there must be, like, statistics that show that, like, I don't know, seven or eight out of ten people that get arrested at football are on Coke. Are on Coke. Yeah, I suppose I mean, so. Coke is... Coke is everywhere. Man. Coke is so prevalent. It's it's like, absurd. I mean, I thought weed was prevalent. Oh. But considering... yeah, could, uh, <laughs> The problem, the difference between weed and Coke is if somebody smokes weed, you can smell it a mile away, right? Yeah. And somebody's got weed on them, you can smell it. Yeah. Coke, you can't. You can, you can, you can practically do a bump of Coke from the back of your hand whilst you're in court. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's so it's so discreet. I mean, provided you're a good actor or actress, yeah. you could probably pull that off. A shame Amber Hearn didn't pull it off yeah. because she's a really shit actress. But um, we circle back to this in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, so Boris has decided that um, so bizarre. He's just trying to deflect. I don't. He is. He absolutely. The problem is. isn't the middle class, in my opinion. Right, the problem isn't middle class cokeheads. Right. <laughs> The problem is poverty in the working class, yeah. which forces people into the drug game, which make which because there's so many people dealing with a fucking cost of living crisis right now mm-hmm. and poverty, lots more people will turn into other ways to make money, which means that, you know, there are a lot of drugs being sold on the streets. Yeah. Hence, but the only people with the money to buy the drugs are the middle class. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like goes full circle back to something Noel Gallagher said in the 90s, which is like 
Drugs are everywhere, man. Mm. Like, it's, it's no different than getting up and putting sugar on your fucking cereal. Oh, uh, yeah, putting sugar on your cornflakes. And yeah. at the time, I think he was he was being, uh, like, it was mostly hyperbole. Yeah. Because drugs were everywhere, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Oh, God, But no. now... So many people have such a relaxed attitude. Like drugs. when we were in it's our insane. 20s, right? We'd go out. We'd go out and we'd go out drinking and partying a lot, right? I can think of a handful of occasions where people were doing coke around me. Yeah. Only a handful. Yeah. I think if I went out for a night now, seven out of ten people I came in contact with. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's just everywhere. It's, it's just insane so, how rather, pervasive it is at the moment. Right. So the government's idea is rather than, you know, stop it at the source, which is helping the working class, like giving more money there, giving more opportunities to people that through one one reason or another didn't grow up as privileged as us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather than help them, rather than bring back, like, you know, community centres and put more money into poverty-stricken places. Boris has decided that, you know, going after the middle classes <laughs> is the way to do it. Well, the thing is, he knows that he can't find the lower classes anymore because they've got no fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're selling the drugs in the first place. So he has to, has to aim up slightly higher. The middle class, they can afford to pay fines. So, you know. Yeah, I just think that, like, if you cut it off at the source, then, you know, it's never going to get it's as far like, as the middle he's, class. He's... he's yeah, doesn't want his lawn getting wet, so he's going off and and attacking the sprinkler head rather yeah. than turning the hose pipe off. It's it's stupid. I mean, I saw the other day on TV. Um, what's his name? The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. Sadiq Khan, yeah. He's he went out to um, he's, he's, he was out in California. He, yeah, he did a did a tour of the US, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, trying to like bring more business into London. One of the places he went to, they showed me on the news, was a cannabis farm. Cannabis farm. To look into, like, the legalisation, which, you know, we've both said before, we're, we're all yeah, about absolutely that. in favour of that. If they tax it and then use the profits wisely. Yeah. Like, funnel it into it, to the NHS or, you know, to help people who have nothing. Mm-hmm. But I think more people want to go crazy than chill out, and I think that's why <laughs> coke is so prevalent. Yeah. I think... Uh, I. I'm a big fan of Sadiq Khan. I've said it before, and I've been I've been shouted out on on Twitter <laughs> for this. I w- I would vote for him for prime minister. I think he's got some good ideas, um, and the fact that he has actually kicked off proceedings to investigate the legalization of marijuana in London, I am like, bang on that, mate. I mean, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't at this point. It's just insane not to. Yeah, it's like every. I mean, I say this with with a very small caveat. Everyone is doing it, yeah. You know, and we haven't seen this massive upsurge in people dependent on the fucking uh, the NHS because oh, they've they've smoked too much weed and now they've got weed addiction and now they're no, any the liver has failed. No, <laughs> any any health repercussions that come from smoking weed, they're far worse. There are far worse health re- repercussions out there in the world every single day from mm. smoking cigarettes than there are from smoking weed. Oh, absolutely. You're not going to sit there in yeah. a day and smoke 20 joints. Well, you might do. but Depends how much you've got to do. Depends how much you've got to do. Exactly, right? You know, but you can sit there in a day 
and smoke 20, 30, 40 fags. Oh, yeah, easily. I used to be a 20-day cigarette smoker. Exactly. And every one of those is taking, like, time off of your life and causing your body issues that the NHS, at the end of the day, is going to have to deal with. Well, you know, if you're happy, if the government is happy with people doing that, alcoholism it's is exactly the same. It's socially acceptable, right? It's socially acceptable to have a cigarette. It's socially Cigarettes acceptable to do shots of fucking Jägermeister. And alcohol is socially acceptable, so you can tax them and make vast amounts of money. I mean, even if you... I don't understand how anybody smokes anymore. When I first started smoking, <laughs> I could buy, like, B&H Gold with a top-of-the-range cigarettes. <laughs> I could buy 20 of them for £3.50. I remember that. You yeah. want to buy 20 of them now, you're talking, I don't really know, but somewhere around £12, £13. It's, I know it's expensive. Uh, let's have a look. Let's do, let's do some live research. And that price hasn't gold. gone up because the tobacco companies want more money. That price goes up every time they raise the tax. So, Asda, Benson and Hedges. Gold. Oh, this is just a normal. Oh, yeah, Benson and Hedges gold, £14.40. For 20. For 20. How does anybody smoke anymore? That's absolutely insane. I can vape for two weeks for the price of one pack of cigarettes, which would have probably lasted me a day, a day and a half. Yeah. Or a night. I don't understand how anybody affords cigarettes anymore. But <laughs> if you can if you can sleep at night, you know, like they put like smoking calls cancer, smoking does this, smoking does that, messages and all the packs. They show you the pictures of the fucking yeah, decrepit lungs, lungs and shit. things. And like if you but if you can sleep at night knowing the damage that does, why not? Why just legalise it. Just fucking legalise it. It's so much... It just makes so much sense. Yeah. The, the only thing stopping it is this kind of hangover from from older generations. Yeah. That it's bad, therefore, no. They say it's a gateway drug, but... That's absolute bollocks. Yeah. I'm 40 fucking years old. I I have been smoking for about... Smoking weed for about 20 of those. Well, you might want to rephrase that. I have. You have smoked. Weed I have smoked weed within the last twenty years. Within the last twenty years, because the way you the way you painted it originally <laughs> yeah. is that you're a hardcore stoner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not a hardcore stoner. Yeah. Because anyone that's seen me try and smoke knows why I'm not a hardcore yeah. stoner. But yeah, I have I have been smoking intermittently for those yeah. for like twenty years. Um, I have tried other drugs twice in that time, like cocaine and LSD. And I didn't like either of them. When did you do LSD? Uh, when the punch got spiked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That wasn't... Um, That's my one only other... Was it LSD or acid? Was acid. Acid. That was my one other drug experience. Yeah. And that wasn't fun. And that wasn't... I, I didn't know. I didn't make a choice to do no, that. It that was, was just something... Fought, thrust upon us. They got the, yeah, they, I was told after drinking about eight glasses of that really tasty punch you made. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the, willingly, I've tried, I've tried cocaine <coughs> once. Yeah. And it was... It was not for me. Yeah. So it's clearly not a gateway drug. No. It's, that's, that's, it's like saying, oh, taking driving lessons, that's a gateway to, to like, drink driving. What? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> you to drive a car, you'll be driving a HGV in like a year. Yeah. Oh, you got on a train. Well, you know it, you'll be a conductor. The, no, it's bollocks. They don't follow. The gateway drug myth was because... Weed was becoming prevalent, prevalent right? yeah, and it's 
and people were able to grow it themselves, sell it themselves, yeah. make their money, and people... It was a little time. tiny, self-sufficient cottage, cottage industry. industry yeah. yeah, And so the myth was put out there that it's a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. You'll you smoke a that. joint, and before you know it, you'll be shooting LSD through your eyeballs. Now, I smoked a couple of joints in my life. <laughs> Aside from that one night with the acid, which I was not a conscious decision of on my bath, mm-hmm. I've never done another drug. And I've never, aside from mushrooms, after seeing that documentary about how they help depression, <laughs> I've never had any inclination to do any other drug. No. I only tried cocaine because I thought it was going to get me laid with a hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, guys. It didn't. If you got a, if you, do I know this hot girl? Yes, you do. Do you have a code name? Uh, no, but I can, I edit this podcast okay. so I can just cut it out. <laughs> I would go as far as to say, like, if someone wrapped me up a lion and was just like, do that and I'll blow you, I'd be going blowjob free. <laughs> These days, I would as well. As yeah. a drunk and horny 20-something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a drunk. Actually, no, because I was in a relationship in my 20s. As a, yeah. drunk, as a drunk, horny teenager, there wasn't much I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done. Not many things to, I wouldn't have done on the off chance of getting yeah. some, no. Um... That had nothing to do with weed. That was just my dick. <laughs> um, yeah, so I the whole gateway drug thing is a myth to me. Like the only, I've the only time I would ever consider doing any other drug is if someone told me I had a certain amount of time to live. Yeah, if someone says to me, "You got six months to live," I'm contacting every <laughs> fucking junkie I know, getting every dealer's number, and going on a fucking rampage for a, a month or two. Yeah. Before, like, you Gotta know, try that shit out. I'm too ill <laughs> to do it. But I am doing that. I'm gonna, like, you know, go to Amsterdam, pay a bunch of hookers. Like, if I've got six months to live, I've got six months to live. The what first, have I got to lose? The first three of them are gonna be. This is gonna be seen missing. I'm gonna live my best rock star life just doing all the drugs and having all the sex. But that is the only, that's the only time that I, yeah. I think I could ever be ever want to do it yeah so it's absolutely a fucking and that's myth. not to say that we're not we're sitting here judging anybody that does it that do what you want man i mean yeah <laughs> like we said provided it's provided it's not it's consensual and it's what, not damaging anybody else yeah what i will say is if you're gonna do the coke try not to run on the pitch <laughs> because they'll bring the cages back and no one wants to watch football for a cage all right if you do the coke just try not to be a knob yeah because most of the people i've met who have been on coke Absolute knobheads. obnoxious, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember we were at, we were at the pub one night, and you know, uh, somewhere sit again, and you're fucking knobhead. Oh, you're yeah. fucking obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> whole fucking podcast was whole fucking obnoxious. podcast. <laughs> yeah, but we're not on coke. That's just who we are. Yeah. That's why you've done 106 episodes and still made no fucking money. It's because you're obnoxious. <laughs> Yes, but we're self-aware enough to know. We know <laughs> this, and the reason we've not made any money is because um, we've. Rather foolishly said, we won't monetize this podcast. Yeah. Despite fucking um, our host keep saying to us, you can monetize, you know, you can make money off of this podcast. And we're like, no, take away those fiery coins. I've got, I've just, I'm going to go back on everything I said. If we start doing the coke. <laughs> we'll never sleep. And if we don't sleep, we can make more podcasts. We've got to make more podcasts. Um, My money don't <laughs> jiggle, jiggle. It folds. <laughs> It's so weird. You know, like I, I mentioned, I'll be, I was watching loads of Louis documentaries recently. Yeah. I watched that episode. Like I've seen it. I've seen it like multiple times. But I watched that episode where he does the rap. 
And then literally like a week later, it went it went viral again. I literally yeah. I, I've seen people talking about it and quoting it, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" And I clicked on something yesterday, and it started playing. It was a it was a video yeah. on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, is this what everyone's losing their mind about?" I was more interested in the bunny video that it was it was you know being used as a soundtrack for. I was like. That's really weird. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes no, listening back. You, know, you saying that? I'm like, no, yeah, that absolutely sounds like him. I can't remember whether it's it was on Weird Weekends or another documentary. But he went to America and where he does most of his documentaries. Yeah, because America's fucking weird. Yeah, and he um he does like a gangster rap episode and he goes around with all his rappers and then he has one of them help him write his rhyme. And, and at the end, he has to perform it, and that's where that comes from. Uh, My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It, it falls. I want to see you wiggle, wiggle. For show. Sure. <laughs> it's going to make me dribble, dribble. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's so good. We should use that as the intro for yeah. our episodes from now on. <laughs> as soon as we monetize. Yeah. As soon as we've got enough money to pay Louis his fees. His fees. Yeah. We'll just get him on as a guest. <laughs> oh, mate, I would love to have Louis on. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> um, in absolute classic tragic fashion. We've made that, like, five-minute segment last best part of an hour. Yeah, and we're going to do a complete 180. Awesome. <laughs> we love a good 180. <laughs> have you ever heard of MK Ultra? MK Ultra. Isn't that the football club for Milton Keynes? No. That's MK Dons. What's MK Ultra? MK Ultra was the code name of an illegal human experimentation program designed and undertaken by the CIA. The experiments <laughs> were Fucking int- hell. You weren't kidding about the 180, were you? <laughs> I watched I watched one of them history programs about brainwashing the other day. <laughs> The ex- I told you this is where I go to get oh all my, my all my, all my <laughs> topics now. Sky history. Um, the experiments were intended to develop procedures and identify drugs such as LSD that could be used in interrogations uh, to weaken individuals and false confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. MK Ultra used numerous methods to manipulate its subjects' mental states and brain fu- functions such as the covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs and other chemicals, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, um, isolation, and verbal and sexual abuse, in addition to other forms of torture. Sounds like a good weekend to me. According to author Stephen Kinzer, the CIA project was a continuation of the work begun in World War II-era Japanese facilities and Nazi concentration camps, on subduing and controlling human minds. Kinzer wrote that MKUltra's use of mescaline on unwitting subjects was a practice that Nazi doctors had begun in a Dachau um, concentration camp. Kinzer proposes evidence of the continuation of a Nazi agenda, citing the CIA's secret recruitment of Nazi torturers and vivisectionists to continue the experimentation on thousands of subjects. With Nazis brought to Fort Dietrich, 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 I think, in Maryland to instruct CIA officers uh, on the lethal uses of sarin gas. Hmm. The project began during a period of what English journalist Rupert Cornwell described as paranoia at the CIA, when the US had lost its nuclear monopoly and fear of communism was at its height. 
CIA counterintelligence chief James Angleton believed that a mole had penetrated the organisation at the highest levels. The agency poured millions of dollars into studies examining ways to influence and control the mind and to enhance its ability to extract information from resistant subjects during interrogation. Some historians assert that one goal of MKUltra and related CIA projects was to create a Mancurian candidate or Manchurian candidate style subject. Once MKUltra got underway in 1953, experiments included administering LSD to mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and prostitutes, people who could not fight back, as one CIA officer put it. In one case, they administered LSD to a mental patient in Kentucky for 174 days. LSD and hover drugs were often administered without the subject's knowledge or informed consent, a violation of the Nuremberg Code the US had agreed to follow after World War II. The aim was to find drugs which would bring bring out deep confessions or wipe a subject's mind clean so they could program them as a robot agent. In Operation Midnight Climax, the CIA set up, which is a really good name, I explain <laughs> what's going We should call happen. that podcast that. Yeah. In Operation Midnight Climax, the CIA set up several brothels within CIA safe houses in San Francisco to obtain a selection of men who would be too embarrassed to talk about the events. The men were those with LSD. Uh, the brothels were equipped with one-way mirrors and the sessions were filmed for later viewing and study. In other experiments where people were dosed with LSD and other drugs, they were told their trips would be extended unless they told the truth. Heroin addicts were bribed with more heroin if they took LSD, long-term debilitation, and several deaths resulted from MKUltra. Fucked up, right? That's pretty messed up. (laughs) Now, I figured something out this week. Something I probably should have figured out 76 episodes ago. (laughs) But I figured out it all falls apart when I bring these involved notes. Mm-hmm. But no follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. So I have follow-up questions. Okay. So do you think it's possible to create a Manchurian candidate or in the parlance of our times, a winter soldier? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a lot about brain Neuroscience. Neuroscience. Wow. And- <laughs> have, have, I, have I finally found a subject that you can't at least bullshit your way through? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know an awful lot about it. Um yeah, it's never really been something I've looked at. <laughs> I used to work with a girl who was temping because she just finished a degree in neuroscience, mm. and she once sent me an email um, detailing all of the mental health problems of like Batman and all of the <laughs> all of the rogues gallery. And I remember reading this email, just like, wow, neuroscience is fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I yeah no, I don't know. You don't. You don't. You're not sure. That it's it's something that, that's probably they're probably still trying to do today, but probably yeah. Like, I wonder how close they got. I don't know. It's one of those things, you know. Speak to one person, they'll say that ah, oh, they absolutely did it. The deep yeah. state is using sleeper agents all the time. You speak to someone else, and they're like, ah, oh, it's all bullshit. You know, they just yeah. gave drugs to a whole bunch of people and realized giving drugs to people doesn't make sleeper agents. It just makes a whole bunch of junkies. <laughs> I, remember seeing, I remember seeing something years ago or read something years ago. It was like, it was about MK Ultra, and it was about how they gave 
this selection of CIA officers, LSD, mm. and like three of them killed themselves, like jumped out of windows, yeah, off themselves, and the families never really knew what had happened, yeah, until years later when all this information got declassified, and they were like. So, okay, so I lost my husband. My kids lost their father because you dosed them with LSD. Because you gave them drugs. Yeah. Fuck, man. <laughs> it's fucked up, right? Like, I'm really dumb because I did There's way, way more information oh, God, on yeah. this than I've just imparted. This is one of those rabbit holes. Yeah, this was a rabbit hole yesterday. Yeah. I fell down for ages. <laughs> and the more I was reading about it, the more I'm like, I'm starting to sympathise with, like, um, anti-vax people. <laughs> The more I'm thinking, like, the government's doing this. What's to say they're not doing fucked up shit? I think now? it's important to, to to delineate between I mean, obviously, this was like 50s, and, 60s, 70s they were doing this. Yeah, it's important to delineate between the government as, you know, the people running the country and their secret service type things oh, yeah. like the CIA, who are, although they're funded by the government, are largely autonomous, especially when they're doing black ops yeah. like this. That's... This was they they, uh, they said that there was like fifteen hundred different like projects within MK Ultra that were farmed <laughs> out yeah. to like various like legit institutes, and um, and they were undergoing like undergoing the research and doing all the stuff, not really knowing what the end goal was, but the CIA were overlooking. Yeah, were in the office like keeping an eye on what was going on. Yeah, and. I don't know. If the CIA got better, or if they just got more devious, that's the question I'm asking yeah. myself. Now. And not just the CIA, the MI5, and everyone else, because you know, as they say, power corrupts, but absolute power is. Yeah, yeah. Probably, they probably just got better at it. Yeah, I think they just got more devious. Um, do you think it's possible today's governments could be breaking laws in this way? We just covered that. I mean, we're pretty much uh, they break the laws every other way, so why not? Do you think drugs could be used to make you tell the truth during an interrogation? Probably. Yeah? Just get me drunk and I tell the truth. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to get me to tell the truth, mate. You're really nice to my face and then for like three beers in, I start getting the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a I very good liar. just how frustrating I am as a friend after you've had a couple of drinks. I'm, I'm a really shit liar. I'm, yeah, I, I I'm no good at it, especially when it comes to big or long term lies i'm absolutely useless at them so yeah it doesn't take much for the truth to out with me don't don't tell me any of your big secrets guys that you need that you know absolute important life or death secrets because i'll get drunk (laughs) to be fair though like i mean (laughs) the shit you tell me about your own life your secrets that you tell me when you're drunk absolutely useless at keeping secrets mind-blowing but you don't you rarely ever like you know give away my secrets when you're drunk. So I, I probably don't remember them, to be totally yeah, honest. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy shocking my vanilla brain with your secrets. My mind is mostly full of useless sci-fi and gaming trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I can remember... Especially these days. I, can, I discovered the other day, I, I'm playing uh, Star Wars The Republic again. Yeah. And I had to go back to Narshadar, which is one of the planets in, in the game. And I had to go back there for something. And I haven't been to that planet in-game since probably four or five years ago. Okay. Went back there. Soon as I landed in the spaceport, I, they were like, oh, you got to go here. Oh, yeah, I know how to get there. And I just navigated myself there. And I'm like, how the fuck can I remember that? But I can't remember, say, for instance, my fiance's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> or to keep my mouth shut on Facebook. Or to keep my mouth shut on Facebook. I've done really well on Facebook. I haven't posted anything. 
that's how I'm doing it. I'm just not posting anything anyway because then I can't incriminate myself. I know. Like the other day you posted about streaming and, and I went to share it and I was like, oh, no, he's still set on private. I can't share his Yeah, post. everything's still on private. Um, last question. If you went to a brothel and someone offered you LSD and said they wanted to film you, would you agree? <laughs> Fuck no. Really? <laughs> Fuck no. Have we found a pervert line you won't cross? <laughs> No, because I know government agencies will be reviewing that footage. Right. Oh, you know what I'd be doing, mate, don't you? <laughs> Give me the LSD. I'd be up there at the mirror going, you like that secret agent, man? Just helicoptering my dick at the two-way mirror. <laughs> you wouldn't. You'd do LSD and see pirates everywhere, and suddenly you would just embody Jack Sparrow. <laughs> You'd be doing that Jack Sparrow run everywhere. That I, I keep doing saying. that around the house. It's very difficult to do in in a in a house in Harlow because they're really not designed yeah. for people to do Jack Sparrow runs, and they nearly broke my fucking legs. <laughs> That's what you would be doing if you had had a yeah, probably. Uh, to be honest, I do that after I've had a beer. So <laughs> Could be... fuck, I'd be the boat if I had LSD. Like the hottest woman in the world laying on the bed in lingerie, like come fuck me, and you're like, no, I've got a jar. Savvy, I've got a jar of dirt. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> prepare to be boarded. Ah, no, she's a kraken. <laughs> Throwing pillows at her. Get away from me, beastie! <laughs> Poor girl, she'd be really self-conscious yeah. after that. Yeah. And then he called me a kraken, yeah. and he threw the bed sheets at me. Said I was beastly. Called me a beastie. Oh. I used to think I was hot. <laughs> I'm shining down my OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> it was a live stream. <laughs> I'm changing the theme of my OnlyFans. <laughs> now I'm going to be a Kraken. It's Kefalopods only. <laughs> Do you remember one of on those Asian ones? Fucking the squid. <laughs> From now on, I'm going to do OnlyFans as Cthulhu. <laughs> I am an ancient god. <laughs> I am one of the ancient ones. <laughs> Give me your money. <laughs> Look at my sexy tentacles. Yes. Oh, man. Japan, what have you done to the internet? Right. Finally. <clears throat> yeah, because we're, we're already over an hour. All right. Alice is back. Alice, the female Yuri, is back. Oh, right, yes. Yes. Uh, model matches frustrated single pals with her exes to give them best sex ever. Uh, OnlyFans model Alice Irving has sexually frustrated female friends reach out to her telling her what they want of them what they want of the man before she matches them with an ideal lover uh, an OnlyFans star provides uh, Alice Irving 24 has been working in the adult industry for several years as we know and she says um, she's had many different encounters a Canadian born model exclusively told the Daily Star over time I built up if you want a certain portfolio of different people that I think are really great for many different reasons, again, apologies, this article doesn't really make it sense. It doesn't really make sense. doesn't uh, really well. Everybody's different, right? Everybody does it differently. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. I thought everyone did it. I thought everyone just day. did it the same. They, they, I thought everyone just, like, slipped it in and I thought everyone flopped put about their, like a... <laughs> put their socks on. Like a two minutes out, of like. mechanical thrusting, then roll over and cry yourself to sleep. I, mean, I thought that was just normal. I, I was really excited when Amy said, wear the peg leg, baby. <laughs> I thought I just had to slip it in and flop about like a fish out of water. So you, you make love the same way you play guitar? Yeah. 
Well, I'll do everything. Let's explain to that. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine you. Yeah, yeah. Just gonna cook the steaks. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> It's the best mental image. Yeah, they called me Trout Boy in the kitchen. Because <laughs> I used to flop about. They they started calling me Salmon Boy, but I couldn't jump upstream. So <laughs> jump upstream. Trout Boy. Um, <laughs> over time, I built up, if you want to... No, I read that bit. Uh, Alice explained that one day, a close female friend came to her, sexually frustrated, and complaining that she couldn't find a man to satisfy her. Uh, she asked a friend to tell her in detail exactly how you enjoy it, from what moves she enjoyed to the preferred height of a partner, and even the description of the person's size. These people have some weird friendships. Yeah, I know. Uh, fucking pop-ups. Sorry, you were talking about sex. I can't help it. Yeah. Um, the hair she, trigger. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me a really big list of everything she likes. Then I had someone I thought was for her, and I matched them. I went to see him, and I was like, hey... Would you be interested in meeting my friend? I think you'd be a great match. Um, <laughs> he was like, is this true? He didn't believe it. The pair then met up and were an instant match, seeing each other several times since for what the friend described as the best sex she ever had. They're even having... Uh, <laughs> pop-ups. Uh, they've even been travelling and filmed adult content together. Oh my. Soon, news of... Alice's matchmaking skills spread among their female friends. There's other girls and they keep reaching out, she explained. I'm starting to think I should charge for that. But at the same time, no. I'm just very happy to make people connect and share happiness. It's very exciting. I feel like I was a sex cupid, basically. I consider myself a sex cupid. Um, Alice didn't want to divulge the intricacies of her friend's sexual desires. She did reveal that the service is exclusively for women. She explained, when it started to become more famous, I said, no, I'm not giving any names of girls to men. It's for women. It's a lot harder for men to find a sexual partner than it is women. But I feel it's just more safe. I want to protect women and make sure my female friends are satisfied. Um, I said all that to say, if there's anybody out there that thinks that they can match me up with their female friends, don't. <laughs> Just don't. I'm taking a break. For I was going to say, should, should we be like reviewing our exes, making a list of all the things they were good at in bed? Because, <coughs> I mean, I can review some of mine, but if you like other a bland and uninspiring sex, or b no sex and just mild abuse, I mean, I know the two ladies for you, <laughs> and we know one of them is currently looking on so on uh, on Bumble. You know, on Bumble. So I mean. I can point you in their direction. Just don't tell them I sent you because that'll be an immediate no. Yeah. <laughs> that'll dry them up one quicker sex. than one sheet. <laughs> one sex so bland you can barely even get it up. <laughs> have I got the girl for you? <laughs> Want to just have blue balls while she just disdainfully sniffs at you? Again, I have the girl for you. <laughs> Want to be dressed up in makeup and nail varnish <laughs> and have your picture taken? We know. Come to my OnlyFans. <laughs> No, like, is Alice doing the right thing? Shouldn't people be out there, like, you know, isn't it, isn't, isn't half the fun? Isn't shit sex half of the fun? Yeah. <laughs> isn't half, the chase is half of the fun. This is what I've learned in the past couple of months is the chase is where the fun is. No, being in a relationship long term and nothing ever changing is absolutely the best part of being in a relationship. <laughs> 
chase is probably the most fun part, yeah. Listen, don't get me wrong. Like, I was in a relationship for a long time. I didn't want to walk away from that. <laughs> like, you know, if I'd been a better person, <laughs> I'd still be very happy in that relationship right now. But, you know, the universe aligned. <laughs> no, that didn't quite work out. So now the chase is the most, the chase is the fun part. As soon as they buy in and they, and they like, they're like, show me some kind of interest. I'm, I, so, you're, you're out. Yeah. Like, so ladies, that's, that's the key. If you want to get with Reggie, just don't show interest. <laughs> just be good in bed. Like, you know, look good in a cage. Just only, and don't only, show any interest. Listen, this is my, this is, this is my best advice. Yeah. Just message me when you want to get laid. Don't message me to tell me about your day. I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> I message him and tell me about my, de- my day, yeah. and he literally archives me. <laughs> Fuck you. You're the one who ghosted me the other day. More than once this week. <laughs> Entirely unintentionally. More than once this week, I've been ghosted. I think it must have been where I was bouncing between using WhatsApp on the PC and on my phone. Yeah. I'm assuming you the ma- that message came in whilst I had it open on the PC. I then shut the machine down without checking it. Yeah. And I'm sat there and I'm thinking, motherfucker hasn't told me what we're doing this week yet. I'm running out of fucking time because it's like Friday yeah. and I don't know what we're doing. And then you was like... Motherfucker, you ghosted me. Yeah, so I've told you this morning. You ghosted me. You haven't come back. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did still leave it till Friday. Or wait, Friday morning rather than Friday afternoon. But. That's because it's, it was, this is a good segue into it, actually. What it we're it is a good today. segue, it's yeah. Good, yeah. It's almost like Probably we know what we're doing. would have been a better segue if I hadn't pointed it out. It would have been much better. That was the plan. <laughs> I'll learn. I won't do that anymore. <laughs> you do that every fucking time. <laughs> people don't give us the credit we deserve. <laughs> no, because you keep ruining it. But ruining my life. Ash got a front row, a front row seat to us, <laughs> to, uh, to me being like, "You fucking ghosted me," and you're like, "No, I didn't. I fucking didn't. What are you, about? <laughs> you ghosted me." And then it's like, "Oh no, wait, yeah, I did. Apparently." <laughs> and Ash was just like, oh, "This is brilliant." Yeah, so I feel like a marriage council. <laughs> <laughs> He was uh, loving it. And I posted on in the in the cult group about how you ghosted me and everyone's like, oh, oh trouble in paradise. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah. Trouble in fucking paradise. My ass. The trouble <laughs> trouble comes when your best friend dumps his kids with you and go, goes and has fun with <laughs> <laughs> Goes and has fun with his wife and leaves <laughs> you babysitting. <laughs> so anyway, Reggie's looking after the commander the rest of this weekend. Wait, it's not the weekend, is it? No. God, fucking hell, Amy's done that twice today. I'm back to work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I can look after him tomorrow. <laughs> Just taking work with you. Yeah. About time the little fucker got a job. Yeah, I, could teach him, I could teach him all about, like, you know, how we don't drink blood samples and <laughs> all kinds of interesting stuff. <laughs> I could teach him how to archive. Yeah, touch my archive. Then he can ghost people. <laughs> Slash lock him in the archive and remember he's not tall enough to press the button. <laughs> and just come back at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't take him to work with you. Okay. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'll need some training and power him before I do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I've ruined the segue. What you have the ruined segue? the segue. What, what was it? What did you say that got me going? Um, because it, you, it was still Friday that you told me. Oh, that's we right. Doing. Yeah, after- Considering, guys... As you probably know by now, we normally record on a Saturday or yeah. a Sunday. We're actually <coughs> recording this on the Monday. Yeah, we're going to have to record. Either do bullshit next week or record on a Monday because, as I said, I'm working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I'm not going to have any prep time before Saturday morning unless we do bullshit. Saturday morning, Saturday, I'm going to be busy. So uh, and Monday it is. Monday is awesome. Although I'm planning on having so much fun at your party, I'm probably still going to be hungover. We'll probably Monday. still be hungover come yeah. Monday, yeah. 
that, that does seem very likely. But it's okay because we'll just do bullshit and stuff that we do at the party. Okay, cool. Um, what I was going to say was after the horror of Ghost Rider and Sweeney Todd. Oh, yes. I had to make sure I chose something I was actually enthusiastic about yes. and could be positive, like genuinely positive about. So, you know, I chose one of my all-time favourite films. You did. And one of the longest films in existence. Yeah. As I discovered yesterday when I sat down to watch it. Because I enjoy it so much, I don't... I never really once stopped to realise it was two hours and 20 minutes long. <laughs> two so hours hey, and 20 fucking minutes. It feels minutes. like like a, an hour 45 because I enjoy it so much. <laughs> it wasn't until I was trying to... I lost track of time and was trying to figure out how I was going to watch this and match the day in the same <laughs> evening and get some sleep that I realised how long it was. But um, The answer is, guys, he just didn't. He just didn't I sleep. I didn't sleep, no. That's the problem. Um, my brother called me. He's gone, okay. to, he's gone fishing in France for the week, right? Okay. So he left Friday. He was he driving to France overnight. He called me Saturday morning. He was like, I've just got to the lake and I've just finished the Ghost Rider episode. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, I'd like to formally apologise <laughs> to you, Rooney, and the listeners. I remembered it being a better film. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Apology accepted. <laughs> and then I, I instantly found the Ghost Rider episode and went back and listened and was just like, what did I say? I didn't say anything too bad. I'm not going to say anything that he's going to like. <laughs> he's going to judge me on, did I? And then I realised that, like, he knows me better than most people. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're okay. There's not a lot I can say that's going to... Uh, <laughs> it's gonna get to turn his back on me now. <laughs> it's too late for that. <laughs> yeah. Not if he wants a free babysitter anyway. Exactly. So you can tell people what we what we watched. Um this week we watched the second greatest Batman film of all time. Batman begins. There we go. Christopher Batman. Nolan's absolute fucking masterpiece. Needlessly drawn out this introduction the, there. This is the bit where I, I, I'm going to get super... This, super is, this enthusiastic. is good because... Enthusiastic. Um, although I have a fuck ton of trivia, like I said earlier, yeah. I really don't have many notes. I There's... I've got some, I've got some of my standard notes <laughs> for this, but... Have you got some fanboy notes? I've got some fanboy notes. I've also got some, like, serious notes Ooh. on, like, how the film was made. So apologies if we get a bit earnest and serious from here on out. You don't have to worry about me doing that because I have to confess I'm not a huge fan of this film. How? It's all right. How? It's all right. Oh, oh I know how it doesn't have any 45-minute set pieces that don't move the narrative along. It's, it's yeah, all right. I get it. I get it. It's fine. I get it. It's, yeah. You're not as discerning the I don't dislike me. it. It's just – it's not for me. <laughs> It wasn't made for me. I'm not its target audience, clearly. I'm sorry. I'm Batman. I'm going to scowl at you for yeah. the rest of this recording. He's, he's not happy, guys. So anyway, let's get into my trivia, because I know you're excited about this. I am excited about the trivia. So it's released 31st of May 2005 in Tokyo, yes. 15th of June of the same year in the US, and the 17th of June, the same year in the UK. 
that's got to be just the days that films come out. I, yeah, I'm assuming so. There was normally if there's like these staggered release dates, there's an explanation for it, yeah. but there wasn't for this. So I'm assuming it's. Just- I would assume it's just the days the films come out, and the fact that Japan was early is probably something going on in Japan around the same time that they're yeah. releasing it everywhere else. And sometimes they you have to release it in a certain country at a certain time to get your market share. Yes. Yeah. That's um, what it is. Had a budget of 150 million US dollars. <coughs> is that it? Yep, that is it. I assumed it would be a lot more than that. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's absurd when we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, no, and we're like, but... oh, it's not a lot. But you look back at some of the other films yeah. we've, we've done recently and they've had you know, similar budgets yeah. for much smaller uh, films. Yeah. Uh, the box office, 373.7 million US dollars. So 223. Yep. No wonder they made too much. Exactly. How did this not make a billion is what I want to know. <laughs> Ah, it's good, but it's no Avengers, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, Screenplay by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goya from a story by David S. Goya. Yeah, which was basically lifted from year one. Batman, year one, the end Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Uh, Starring, this is quite a long list of uh, people, but now I suppose there's two hours and 20 minutes to squeeze them into. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Killian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Rutger Hauer, Ken Watanabe, and Morgan Freeman. What a cast. I know. It's one hell of a cast. That's When you consider how good this film looks, how big it looks, how Mm. much a lot of it probably cost to shoot because they were shutting down real-life cities and stuff. And then you look at the cast. Like, they probably didn't get paid what they normally get what paid. What they normally get paid. I uh, imagine. For this. You look at that cast and you think, well, that's 150 million there on its own. Christian Bale, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine alone could probably put their foot down and be like, I ain't doing it unless you're giving me double figures. Yeah. They're, they're, they are they are big, yeah. na- big cinema names there. Um, so, Christian Bale's active dislike of his uncomfortable Batman outfit... It was, how did he describe it? It's hot, it's hot, sweaty, and it gives me a headache. Yeah. Um, his active dislike of his uncomfortable Batman outfit helped his performance as the Dark Knight as he was perpetually in a foul mood when wearing it. Not bad, yeah. Uh, Bale revealed in interviews in 2009 in his first scene with Sir Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman, where he wakes up yeah. in, in the bed, um, he actually fell asleep after getting ready for the scene. Oh, really? In that bed on set... Bale described waking up to find Sir Michael Caine poking him in the ribs, saying, look at that, he's bloody fallen asleep. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That would be the best way to wake up. up. It's just fucking Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman. You've got Michael Caine poking you. He's bloody fallen asleep, he has. You're only meant to bloody pretend to <laughs> You're be You're only asleep. meant to be asleep. Oh. Um, writer and director Christopher Nolan is reputed to have been so fascinated with Killian Murphy's bright blue eyes that he kept trying to find reasons and ways to have Crane remove his glasses on screen. Yeah, he's constantly removing them glasses every time he has to put a mask on. Yeah. And there's, I I think, way more close-ups of him of his than face. any yeah. other character in this film, yeah. I, I, Amy said yesterday, she was like, she's like, Killian Murphy, she's like, do you think he's good-looking or ugly or both? I was like, what? And she was like, because I think he's both. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd go with good-looking. Yeah, he's, he's all right. I know he's one of those sort of yeah. either-or things. Um, he's the Marmite. 
He is a bit of a Marmite. He's yes. a Marmite actor. Uh, this movie inspired James Bond producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli to reboot the James Bond film franchise and reinvent the character of British secret agent James Bond, making him much darker and more realistic with Casino Royale. Ah, I never knew that. Uh-huh. I mean... Bond needed something doing. It, I mean, I love all them new Bond films, and I love them for the reason that you hate them, which is that they are dark and <laughs> yeah. grey and... They try their hardest to be as realistic as as possible. With the same reason I like all the old ones because they don't care about one. that. I don't give me. <laughs> I have a fond place in my heart for all them old ones. <laughs> for those old misogynistic films. Yeah, James Bond in like two piece tracksuit, or <laughs> or like my absolute favourite Bond moment altogether is when he builds a one person helicopter out of a suitcase. <laughs> a suitcase. That blew my mind as a kid. Yeah. Like my imagination went mad for months of like, I need one of these helicopters in a suitcase. <laughs> like, how do I get one? Where can I get one? How can I build one? But yeah, it doesn't shock me that they watched this. I went, Oh, ah, we should do that with bond. Yeah. Um, whilst shooting on the streets of Chicago, a person accidentally crashed into the Batmobile. The driver was apparently drunk and said he hit the car in a state of panic, believing the Dark Knight's vehicle to be an invading alien spacecraft. So this drunk guy thought he was saving the planet by crashing his car into the Batmobile. Oh, what a hero. I mean, fucking (laughs) champ. I wish I could have found the guy's name so we could call him out, get him on for an interview. Oh, what a hero. Fucking champ, isn't he? He's he's like that Scottish guy who kicked the... uh, the terrorist at oh, Glasgow yeah. Airport so hard in the nuts he broke his foot. <laughs> um, in an interview with Movie Phone, Christian Bale said that he became interested in playing Batman after a friend of his loaned him the graphic no- novel Arkham Asylum by Grant oh, Morrison and David McKean. Really? Uh, back in 2000. After he read it, he told his agent that if anyone was making another Batman movie, he wanted in. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some. Awesome incredible Batman graphic novels out there. And is that, I, is that not been, one of them? <laughs> I own most of them. I own this. This is incredible, right? But it shocks me that this is the one that sold Batman to him because <laughs> it's so abstract. It's uh, not okay. your typical Batman story, right? Yeah. Batman goes into Arkham. It's kind of, from my memory, it's a lot like this film. He goes into Arkham. He's maybe gassed or whatever. Sees his worst night nightmare mm. and it's so abstract <laughs> and so different and then at the end i think he wakes up and he realizes it was a dream and it was his worst nightmare which is everyone escaping arkham and he has to try and put them all back in but again so left field and so abstract i mean it it put grant morrison's name on the map it made him a shit ton of money because <laughs> it was one of the first big books that he did mm. But for that to be the one that goes, that, that makes him go. Oh, Maybe that's why. So if if yeah. he read something more, you know, formulaic, I was half expecting Batman. you to say like Dark Knight Returns or like the Long Halloween or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was it was the odd one that sold him. Fair on. enough. Uh, Bale decided early on in the audition process that he didn't want to play Batman straight, but to play him as a rage-filled monster, yep. figuring that it might polarise writer and director Christopher Nolan. To his delight, Nolan was thrilled with his off-kilter interpretation. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect Batman performance because I, well, it's one of the things that this film does is actually take Batman seriously. Mm. I mean, Tim Burton, <laughs> that Tim Burton, that first Batman film is 
entirely watchable. It's what sold me on Batman as a kid. Mm. It's the thing that started my love affair with Batman. And I could easily sit down and watch it now. But Tim Burton's got no interest in the hero protagonist. Oh, no. He's all about the freaky sideshow oh, yeah, that's yeah, going yeah. on. Hence, Batman Returns, I think Batman gets like 10 minutes screen time. Something like, so ridiculous like that, yeah. It's all about the penguin running from there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, oh, the, the thing that really, we'll get into it with, with the notes and stuff, but the fact that he's actually taking Batman seriously, Batman, a man that's got PTSD from when he was a child, has got yeah. all kinds of like mental health issues and rage and stuff, that humanizes a man in a back costume as much as you can humanize yeah. a man in a back costume, which goes a long way to making this film far more realistic than it really has any right yeah. to. Because you're actually looking at the human part. The human aspect of, of rather Batman. than like, you know, bat nipples and bat credit cards and stuff. <laughs> the hammers of justice. Yeah, all that bullshit. <laughs> um, writer and director Christopher Nolan decided that there would be no second unit. And so for the whole 129 shooting days, Nolan oversaw every shot of the movie personally. That's the kind of control freak nature that I can... Apparently he does that on all of his films. He has oh, no yeah, second of unit. Of course. This is Christopher Nolan. Yeah. He's redefining filmmaking. Uh, Bale lost his voice three times during filming after altering his voice while playing Batman. Of course, yeah. Because talking like this, I'm Batman. I tried to do a voice the other week on the podcast, cough my guts off. You did nearly die. And then nearly killed myself. (laughs) Uh, The language used by Ken Watanabe as uh, Ra's al Ghul is neither Japanese nor Tibetan, nor, in fact, any known language at all. It's supposedly some gibberish he said he made up himself for the role, even though the subtitles list it as Urdu. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Jabbering. It's an extra level, like it's like a League of Shadows language. Yeah. He basically made up his own language for it, for for those few times where he actually says it. Now I have a fuck ton here of alternate casting choices. Some of these are pure gold. Okay. Uh, Heath Ledger was considered for the role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman during this movie's early development before Ledger and Nolan agreed he was not right for the role. He's not right for the role. Years later, he was obviously cast as the Joker in The Dark Knight, a role that won him a posthumous Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And so it fucking should have done. Yes. Uh, only a few days before the role of Batman was cast, eight actors were asked to audition for the part. They were Christian Bale, Joshua Jackson, Ion Bailey... Hugh Dancy, Billy Crudup, Killian Murphy, Henry Cavill, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Right, let's go through them again. I don't know them all, so some of them are going to get Obviously, Christian, Christian Bale. Yeah. Joshua Jackson? I would buy Joshua Jackson as Bruce Wayne. I have no idea who Joshua Jackson he is. He was Pacey in, um, in Dawson's Creek. He was the gay guy in Cruel Intentions. He was... Um, oh, okay. You know Joshua Jackson. Yeah, no, that no. <laughs> I'd buy him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he would I work as Bruce Wayne as Batman. As Batman. No, no. Uh, Eon, Ion Bailey. I don't even know who he is. Known for his performances in the Emmy and Golden Globe winning HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, character roles in Fight Club, Almost Famous, Center Stage, and the leaning man opposite Antonio Banderas in HBO's and starring Pancho Villa as himself. Never heard of him. No, he could. He's got the face for it, I guess. Yeah, but we'll say yes. Based on his aesthetic. Hugh, Hugh Dancy? Dancy? Don't know who he is. No. Talented British actor. Uh, UK's most noted young talents. 
don't know what he's been on. He doesn't look alpha enough. Uh, no, he doesn't. He does look a little bit nerdy beta. He lo- he looks like he's from Oxford. He looks like in that prison scene in the beginning, he would just get shanked straight away. It does. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crudup. I don't really know who he is. I know the name. I, I, know, I know the name. Uh, no. Yeah, no, good jawline, though. He looks too... Very good jawline. In that one picture. That one picture. Oh, that's... What's his name? From Almost Famous. Um, the, the guitar guy. Oh, yeah, Still yeah, 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 yeah. that's him older. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I might have bought him at the time, then. Yeah, wait, who did he play in... Who did he play in Watchmen? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. He was in Watchmen, apparently. Oh, he was in Big Fish as well. Sorry, guys, we've, we've gone slightly yeah. off on a tangent We're here. in... Billy Crudup, Dr. Manhattan. He played Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, but you would never know that because <laughs> no. he's, he's blue and got his cock flapping about a lot of time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can I, kind of see that. I'd buy that. Yeah, it's, it's now the... that I've seen, now I know what his acting chops are. Yeah. Uh, Killian Murphy, obviously. He's far, he's so good as a scarecrow, I can't. He's, not... he's, too, he's a bit too soft-spoken, yeah. I think, to be, to be Batman. Uh, Henry Cavill. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's, I don't Every think there's anything the I wouldn't yeah. like to see Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill doing. Uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Again, I could I'm see 50, him doing I, I could see him doing that, I actually. I could see him doing it. Like, he wouldn't be as... I don't think his He'd Batman be, would be as standoffish. No, he wouldn't be as standoffish or as rage-filled. He'd be more of a quirky... Yeah. ...introvert Batman. Yeah, he's definitely good-looking enough to oh, yeah. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yeah. Um, and I could see that with the Batman as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll give it to Jake. Yeah. He could do um, it. David Duchovny was once again considered to play the part of Bruce Wayne and Batman since he was considered for the latest movie, which was Batman and Robin, the latest movie at the time. Yeah. Um, whilst Bale won the part, Christopher Nolan liked Murphy's audition so much, he cast him as Dr. Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow. Yeah. Uh, part of the audition process involved the actors wearing a Batman suit, minus the cape, which has been missing for some time, uh, it was the suit used by Val Kilmer in Batman Forever, which was brought out of storage just for this purpose. Oh, really? Yeah. So they actually dressed them as Batman and got them to to do a scene, basically. Uh, to be honest, right? I'd go along to audition just to dress just Batman, to wear yeah. the Batman suit. Yeah, so would I actually. In fact, there's not many things I would I wouldn't do if I got <laughs> to dress as Batman to do it. Uh, one of the one of the Mandalorian guys I follow on Facebook. Yeah. Um, built himself a, uh, or had made and commissioned uh, a Val Kilmer Batman suit. Oh, okay. It is incredible. If I ever won the lottery, I would commission a Batman the Dark Knight, the suit he wears yeah. in the Dark Knight. I would, it's in my measurements. And <laughs> whilst I'll probably never leave it, leave the house in it, <laughs> I would dress up as Batman. walk around the house in it. Or maybe at <laughs> night I'd go and stand on my roof. <laughs> Just go and brood on the rooftop. On a windy night, I'd go and stand on the roof and just stare out over my land (laughs) as my cape flaps, yeah. You say about the cape flaps, the tangent here, when I went to (coughs) the wedding the other week, I was wearing a quarter cape, and uh, we were outside for quite a bit of it because the weather was nice and it had very nice grounds. And I'm standing now, I've got my glass of champagne in one hand, and I kept angling, making Amy sort of like follow me around. I'd be angling because the wind had changed direction. But yeah, if I stand here, the cape billows out nicely. If I, I, did, if I did it the other way, it was blowing sl- yeah. like flush against me. It was look stupid. So I had to turn around so that it would flap out in the wind. I think I've said this many times, but like on this podcast, but one of my fascinations were long coats. <laughs> 
is the fact that I get to stand in the window and watch them. And, and they build up, yeah. And I pretend I'm Batman, yeah. <laughs> we need to, well, I'll tell you what, Redbubble, if you guys are listening, because I know, you know, we have a store with you. I don't know if we mentioned, um, but you guys need to introduce like some capes or some shit so that oh, we can yeah. get touchy branded capes. capes. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to contact some of the manufacturers off of like AliExpress or something. <laughs> Yeah. See if we can get some made over there in China. We'll have to get 10,000 of them, like, not to raise suspicions. Not to raise suspicions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, screenwriter David S. Goya mentioned in an interview that his favourite pre-audition choice for Batman was Jake Gyllenhaal, but that he was won over by Christian Bale after seeing the test footage. Maybe it's because I'm so far down the rabbit hole of loving this trilogy that I couldn't, I can't even conceive of anybody else. <laughs> Christian Bale is is Batman. Like, no matter how... I love Ben Affleck, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but Christian Bale is bad. Every time I see Christian Bale in anything, I'm like, Batman. That's Batman. Yeah. Um, Marilyn Madsen, Christopher Eccleston, Ewan McGregor, and Jeremy Davies were considered for the role of Dr. Jonathan Crane. I would I'd probably buy it. All. Eccleston is the guy from 28 Days Later, right? Yes. He's creepy enough. Yeah, the, the major. Yeah, he's... Got- I, mean, I, lo- I love how we identify him as the creepy major from 28 Days Later. Most people are like, oh, that's Doctor Who, yeah? Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, he did the whole season as, as the new Doctor. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a geek, not a nerd. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Shots fired! <laughs> um, you McGregor? On that? I would, yeah. I mean, I love Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's Renton. In, Renton. In train spotting. Like, I love... There's not a lot... It's not a lot I wouldn't like to see yeah. Ewan McGregor doing. Yeah. yeah. Including, like, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, um, Ewan, if you're up for it, mate. Who are the other two on that list? Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson as Dr. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It I'll, sounds ridiculous when you say it, but then if you actually think about it, if it's like, take, oh, no, I can see that. If you take Brian Warner, if you... Completely <laughs> chop the Marilyn Manson persona off, right? Yeah. And Brian Warner does it. He's so odd looking, <laughs> even without the makeup and, yeah. and stuff that, and he's quite a good actor. So I could definitely see him pull Where's that Jeremy off. Jeremy Davies. I don't recognize the name, but. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He secretary. looks. He looks. F- oh, secretary. Oh, right. Have you ever seen that? I have, yes. I remember when I was... Uh, Amy introduced me to it back when she was still at uni. I remember when I was... Supposed to say, that was a good night. In Guildford. <laughs> when I was in Guildford, I basically had like two channels, so I spent most of my money on DVDs. <laughs> I remember buying it, watching it, being like, oh, wow, this is fucked up and weird, and then taking it back and exchanging it for Psychos. <laughs> but all these years later, I'm like, that is a good film. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a lot of TV shows. I, I, don't I think he's him. too good looking an alpha. You reckon? From that one picture. Yeah, but Killian Murphy is, is He's good looking, looking, but he's not alpha. He looks alpha to He me. does look pretty alpha. He looks too know, alpha he looks... to have spent all of his time at uni learning about pharma. <laughs> he looks like a keyboardist in a fucking, some kind yeah, of Maroon 5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the, it's the hat, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Seriously, guys, check out Jeremy Davies' IMDB profile. Yeah. It's the hat that does it. Um, Oh, this is, a, this is a contentious one. Okay. Ashton Kutcher was in heavy consideration for the role of Bruce Wayne and was reportedly the studio executive's choice for the role. I could see him. He, I just can't stand Ashton I Kutcher. I can't stand Ashton Kutcher. And I wouldn't love this film half as much if no. he was in it. But 
if you're looking for arrogant playboy Bruce Wayne, he could do that. I don't think he'd be able to do Batman though. Oh, he couldn't do Batman. No, he's not got the stature. He's not got. He's probably. He's not got the. I'm Batman. <laughs> I just. I just picture him in, in that '70s show, which is probably the last time he was not obnoxious in a role of his. I just. Yeah, it's punt for me. Where he's <sighs> just being an insufferable prick. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Um, Lawrence Fishburne was considered for the role of Lucius Fox. Okay, I, could, I could see, see that. that all day long. Yeah. Uh, Vigo Mortensen turned down the role of Henry Ducard. Oh, yeah. And really? Daniel Day Lewis was also approached yeah, I could see, for the role. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, I could see either of them doing that. To Vigo be fair, would be right? good, I think Daniel and this is—they're both incredible actors, right? But Daniel Day Lewis and Liam Neeson could be interchangeable in like ninety percent of the roles. <laughs> yeah. that they do. Yes. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Rachel oh. McAdams were considered for the part of Rachel Dawes. The only casting better than Katie Holmes would have been Sarah I, Michelle Gellar. I could, again, I could see either of them doing yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, but that, like, that's exchanging one of my teenage crushes <laughs> for, for another, another teenage yes, crush. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's the, the end of the list of, uh, of, Alternate, possible alternate casting yeah, it choices. It feels like nearly everybody in Hollywood went for some kind of Had, meet, yeah. meeting or audition about this film, yeah. Uh, now, before shooting began, writer and director Christopher Nolan... Sorry, it keeps putting that in the notes. Yeah. A, a lot of these I've just taken straight from various it, yeah. sources. Uh, so Christopher Nolan invited the whole movie crew to a private screening of Blade Runner, uh, the original one from 1982, obviously. Yeah. After the movie, he said to the whole crew, this is how we're going to make Batman. In addition, Rutger Hauer, the actor who plays Mr. Earl in this film, also starred in Blade Runner, portraying the main antagonist, Roy. Yeah. And Blade Runner is definitely on the list for this podcast. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I haven't seen it. I love that film. In like 20 years, so I'm quite excited to sit down and watch it. I I haven't seen it in probably four or five years. We just have to both find the same version, because there's about 12 versions. Yes. There there are a lot of versions. Uh, Christian Bale's trailer didn't have his name on the door. It had the name Bruce Wayne instead. Awesome. Because method actor. Yeah. He also did uh, all of his interviews around this film using his Bruce Wayne voice. Oh, awesome. Apparently, he very rarely uses his Welsh, because obviously he's yeah. uh, natively Welsh. He very rarely uses uh, his Welsh accent in interviews outside of Wales because it's not that sort of actor. Um, I watched a documentary with him. It was actually, I think it was on the internet. It was like your best roles and like his history of acting and yeah, what your yeah. best roles were. And he did all that with his Welsh accent. And I didn't know at this point. And I'm just like, oh my God, this oh is fucked God. up. <laughs> well, it's like David Tennant gets me every time because oh, he's yeah. Scottish and yeah. he has a very Scottish accent. Oh, very. I had no idea until about like fucking, I don't know, five, six years ago that yeah. he was fucking Scottish. And then I saw uh, something, he was talking in Scottish. I was like, why is he doing that ridiculous accent? And then it was pointed out to me because she's Scottish. Yeah. I was like, oh, mind blown. <laughs> I like David Tennant. I, I got a lot of time for David, yeah. T- David Tennant. Um, due to his part in The Machinist 2004, Christian Bale was vastly underweight. Oh, yeah. About 120 pounds yeah. on his six foot frame. When he was under consideration for the part, uh, after being cast, he was told to become, and we quote, as big as you could be. By Christopher Nolan. Of course. Bale underwent a six-month dietary and exercise regimen and ended up weighing about 220 pounds, which is about 40 pounds above his normal weight. Yeah. 
It was decided that Bale had become too large. Friends of his uh, on this movie's crew dubbed him Fat Man. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes when he puts on the bat suit mm. and the bottom of the cow is pushing up his yeah. double chin. He yeah. was swole. Uh, he but, quickly shed about 20 pounds to have a leaner, more muscular frame. And Bale described the whole experience as an unbear- unbearable physical ordeal. I bet. I was going to say. <laughs> Six months of... Yeah. To then go, no, too much. Oh. <laughs> like, there are a couple of scenes where he's Batman and the, and the cow mm. kind of makes him, gives him a chubby face. It does, doesn't it? It's very tight around yeah. around there. But you would... you That scene where he wakes up and instantly drops into the press-ups and stuff... You're looking at him like, fuck. Yeah, that, that wasn't for show. That was genuine, yeah. like, yeah. He was just doing that for fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, an unforeseen problem with the Ninja Training Academy uh, was that Liam Neeson towered over the rest of the men huh. because yeah. he's six foot four. Yeah. And obviously a lot of uh, generally Asian men are shorter yeah. than Western men. And he's tall for a Western man. This was swiftly solved by putting most of the ninjas on wooden blocks. Oh, okay. I thought because they they all wear costumes, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter who's in the costume. Uh, You'd have thought that, but no, it was genuinely Liam Neeson. So all of those ones where they were all lined up. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that weren't tall enough, they got... Yeah. And the League of Shadows. Tom Cruise. (laughs) The League of Shadows, whilst based in that part of the world... The members don't necessarily have to be from that part. No, but they were committed. Um, Contrary to the previous Batman movies, in which the Batcave was realised as a combination of a live set and matte paintings done either by hand or computer, no visual effects were used in this movie to show the Batcave. So it is a legit cave. No, it's a full-scale set. They built that cave on a soundstage. The whole thing was built. I don't know if I've got it in here, but I know somewhere it said it took them something like 10 months to build it. Well played, Christopher Nolan. Well yeah, played. Yeah, built the whole fucking cave. And still managed to hire all them actors and come in with a hundred fifty million. budget. It's budgets. absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, Batman's cape was made with a technique called electrostatic flocking. Right. Taught to the crew by the British Ministry of Defence and normally used to decrease the night vision visibility of objects. Nylon parachute fabric was brushed with glue and covered with fine hair-like material. An electrostatic current was then passed under the material, creating a dark sheen whilst maintaining the billowing appearance. Ah. And that shows the stupid lengths they went to on this film. Rather than just, we'll CG that shit. No, they actually made it. Oh, I can't see. Christopher Nolan. I see Christopher (laughs) Nolan as the kind of person that will go through... Every insane possible way of doing something to avoid using CG. To avoid using CG, yeah. yeah. Um, None of the big-name cast members were initially told that this movie was a Batman movie, as the script they were sent was titled The Intimidation Game. So Michael Caine commented commented that when he first saw the title, he assumed the script was some kind of gangster movie. (laughs) I suppose it kind of is. There's gangsters in it. It's not. Still not the most Batman, Batman film. It's really not, no. Um, It's the first live-action appearance by Scarecrow, a villain dating back to Batman's earliest comic stories. While considered for the 1960s television series, he was never used. He was also meant to be the main villain in the fifth Tim Burton-slash-Joel Schumacher movie that was never made in the end. Thank God. Because, yeah, people were sick of that. Uh, Nolan generally filmed the fight scenes with the actors doing as many of the stunts as physically possible. 
In the case of Christian Bale and Liam Neeson, that was basically all of them. He would then shoot the same <coughs> fight sequences with the stuntmen so that he had coverage for oh, okay. the whole thing. Um, Hans Zimmer named the tracks because obviously he was the uh, composer oh, for this yeah. film. Uh, he named the tracks in the soundtrack after types of bats. The first letters of tracks four to nine in the soundtrack spell Batman, being Barbastella, Artebius, Tadarida, Macrotus, Androsus, and Nycteris. Now, I own this album on CD. <laughs> I always thought the song names were a bit weird. I no, you know why? Names are bats, though. All bats. And the fact that he's <laughs> like a Batman. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, the 2006 Forbes Fictional 15 ranks Bruce Wayne as the seventh richest fictional character with a net worth of approximately $6.8 billion. <sighs> it's pocket change. Yeah. Um, the house, which served as the setting of Wayne Manor in this movie. Oh, such a fucking gorgeous house. Mintmore Towers, the former Rothschild estate lo- located in Buckinghamshire, England. Ah. It's also been used for a whole bunch of other... <laughs> There was a list of various things it's appeared in. Oh. Uh, and the one that stood out to me was Ali G in the house. <laughs> <laughs> because that's got to be added to the list yeah. of potential films purely for shits and giggles. That um, is a very, very gorgeous looking house. Yeah, it's yeah. a very nice house. Architecturally. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman agreed to play Jim Gordon without even reading the script. He was the last actor cast and he learned his lines on the flight to his first location. Mm. Uh, I have to admit, throughout all three films, I think he he does a very, very good job as 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 Gordon. As Gordon, yeah, yeah. he it's, he it's one of those roles that he just almost seems born yeah. to play. Yeah, he he personifies that character for me. It's not, and it's not the same Jim Gordon. In every film. No. Like, he, like, he has char- a very long character arc. The character evolves. It's not even the same one in this film. At the beginning, he's whiter than white, compassionate. By yeah. the end, he's like, he's willing to look the other way for Batman and do things that go against the law, like, you know, blowing up train tracks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just does it. He does it also. It looks effortless. Yeah. And that's what makes it so good, right? Yeah. yeah. That's Gary Oldman all over, yeah. really, isn't it? Uh, Despite this movie's darkness, Christopher Nolan wanted to make this movie appeal to a wide age range. Not the youngest kids, obviously. I think what we've done is probably a bit intense for them. But I certainly didn't want to exclude the sort of 10 to 12 year olds. Because as a kid, I would have loved to have seen a movie like this. Because of this, nothing gory or bloody was filmed. Ah. And it's true. I sat there yesterday and watched this downstairs. Um, Cody wasn't really watching it because I did ask him if he wanted to watch Batman with me, but he wanted to play Team Fortress 2. So I was like, okay, fine, nerd, whatever. Um, (laughs) I'll just have to endure this film myself. I'll just have to endure two hours and 20 fucking minutes of Batman fappery on my own. But yeah, if he had wanted to sit down and watch it, I'd have been. He popped over a couple of times when things sounded, apparently sounded interesting enough. And I'd have been perfectly happy to sit there and watch it with him. Yeah. It's. Adult in its tone, it's bleak, it's yes. unforgiving in its tone, and and it is quite intense at scenes. But there's nothing really. A lot of that can go over a child's head. Exactly, it's the obvious blood and gore. Blood, gore. That- there's violence, but even the, even the violence in this film is largely done in snatches and yeah. flashes. The fights are are cool, but you don't really see much violence. No. It's implied violence, yeah. which is quite clever. 
the Batmobile, nine feet wide and 16 feet long, has a top speed of 106 miles an hour, or 170 kilometers an hour for you Europeans, um, and can accelerate from zero to 60 miles an hour per, uh, in six seconds. The engine is a 5.7 litre V8 Chevy. It runs on unleaded fuel and can do about seven miles per gallon. It has four 44 inch tyres at the reel made by Interco Tyre Corporation, while the front is covered in jagged plates of armour. It was designed and built by Chris Corbold and Andrew Smith at Shepperton Studios in England. Uh, this Batmobile was built from the ground up and is estimated to be worth half a million pounds sterling. It was designed like the initial model. Yeah was designed by mashing together several different off-the-shelf model kits. Okay. Its construction of the actual thing itself was so exacting to the model that they even duplicated the blobs of excess glue ah. on the on the full-size thing. <laughs> I've got a note that said I'd have far less anxiety. I oh, sorry, I'd have a far less anxiety-ridden driving to work every, every morning on the M11 if I drive a Tumblr. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I would love to drive to work I- in that. I have a note somewhere. I've barely got any notes anyway. Um, but the bat, this Batmobile, at the moment, is my favourite Batmobile. It's my second favourite. With the, it, it kind of switches depending on how far at the time between this one and the one from the animated series. Oh, I see that it. massive Art Deco, Art Deco yeah. one that's like twenty foot long. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm all bought in on the Tim Burton one. It's one that of a very good looking car. The, I had the toy when I was a kid. Yes, so did I. Like, and that was back in the day when they were actually cast metal. Yeah, toys the, little, well. I had the little matchbox die cut. I think matchbox or I Hot Wheels I die cast one. Like, actually, yeah, it was quite size, long, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I loved that Batmobile <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> the closest um, I got to having any interest in cars. So is there a Batmobile? No, I'm not uh, interested. That that was kind of like, like the car people note there. Yeah. Um, at around one hour and eight minutes, Bruce Wayne is shown arriving at a hotel in a Lamborghini Murcielago, the car model, a car model named after a prized bull, owned by Antonio Miura. The bull's name, and therefore the car's, is the word Murcielago, which is Spanish for bat. Ah. <laughs> see, I can see you like, where's he going with this? Yeah. There you go. That's where I'm going with that. I was mostly trying to remember what this car looks like. I just, I didn't. It's a generic modern Lamborghini. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically Bruce Wayne pulls up in a Lamborghini bat. (laughs) It's like, oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Um, Like, it's that fun attention to detail that goes over 99.9% of people's heads that I sit there and go, wow, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, that's the sort of thing I was looking for. I said there was yeah. a lot of trivia. And when I was going to it, I was trying to pick out bits like that. Yeah, yeah that's genius. Um, a full city block of Gotham, much of it based on the slums of Kowloon in Hong Kong, which were torn down in 1994, was built in a converted aircraft hangar for this film. Oh, right, so the Narrows. The Narrows, basically. And so that's why they can run around the Narrows and everything. And it all looks... Oh, okay. They basically built a whole city block in an aircraft hangar. There's one shot and you see Gotham and then you see the Narrows and I'm just like... Like the favelas in Brazil. Yeah. I didn't realise it was based on Hong Kong, but now you've said that, I'm like, oh, actually. The, I the Kowloon slums that. were yeah. notorious. They were infamous. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot <coughs> of films that are based, you know, yeah. rough areas and slums. Basically, they, they took photos and fo- video footage of that and recreated it. I have to say, like, I never really considered it, but now you say it, it's obvious they built that in... yeah. When you look at the the, the various scenes when, there. When you're street level, 
everything looks so fucking realistic. Yeah. But then when you see the unestablishing shot of Gotham with a narrows in, yeah. it looks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> because they've <laughs> injected this they're, they're, CG. This is real. And then the, the CG is, yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole bit around it is CG. Yeah. That bit's real. Um, Batman's journey to Tibet and his ninja training were elements introduced into the comic book by writer James Owsley in Batman number 431, uh, March 1989. Series editor Denny O'Neill made the issue part of the Batman Writer's Bible, all capitalised, that he would hand out to each new writer on the series, thus confirming the story's place in canon. Yeah. I really like that. I love that. Because the idea of Batman just going from, oh, I'm a rich kid, to, I'm going to beat everyone up with my fists. There was always kind of this gap. It's like, how did he get these cool fighting skills? You can tell. I don't know if you've ever read Year One or seen the animated Year One film. Did you make me watch that? Um, no, that was Dark Knight. I think I... Oh, no, that's Zero Year I've got. I... I bought it around, I think I might have given it to you yeah. to watch, yeah. It sounds familiar. But year one, it literally starts with Bruce Wayne landing and then he goes on to live year one as Batman, put his suit together. Yeah. A lot of the same shit we see in this film. But it's obviously a short graphic novel. Yeah. The fact that they've gone, okay, we've got that and we're going to use elements of that in the film. But... We can't really just have Bruce Wayne landing. We need to give him some kind of context there. of why he is. Yeah. And so they've gone back and created this entire bit at the beginning of the film. It's genius because it's, again, it's the only time we've ever seen Batman on screen where we see yeah. the fact that he had to actually, he's a normal human being that went and trained. Yeah, he had to learn to, to be, do that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Every other time we, we've encountered Bruce Wayne, he's already Batman, he's already got the suit he's already he's already done all yeah. that you you that's all sort of yeah, yeah yeah i've done that but look here's what i'm doing now here's the cool superhero stuff this is what sets this film apart from most other batman it's films. also the first like hour of the film yeah. it's what makes it two hours and 20 minutes yeah uh and a body count 27 huh? 27 on screen like deaths yeah because everyone else we just assume they survive yeah. <laughs> Or they die off screen. All them ninjas that get exploded at the beginning. (laughs) Uh, And that is obviously the end of my trivia. You can see, right, this here. When there's my little greeting, trivia, 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 notes. (laughs) I've got, like, no notes. I really, really struggled to make notes on this film. Thank God I made some notes. Yes. Um, This film is dark. And moody from the second the credits start. Oh god! Not yeah. even the credits. Even escape, even yeah. the Warner Brothers logo yeah. doesn't escape unscathed. Yeah, immediately in grayscale. It's like oh, was it DC. last? <laughs> was it last week that you said that they were trying, <laughs> the great field was working overtime? No, but you said they were trying to do something with the logo, but they weren't allowed. Oh yes, yeah. Chris, I get the impression Christopher Nolan's allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah, because that entire not one. Of the of the studio logos or anything goes <laughs> doesn't get. Dark I think I think you should have really taken advantage of that and and gone full Ghost Rider. Oh yeah, and just had like ears come out of it and like a little bat cape on the back of it. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, from the second we cut to Bruce Wayne waking up in a cell, <laughs> everyone watching knows this is a departure from from previous Batman films. One of my first questions was, "Wait, what the fuck? How did he get here?" Because I haven't seen this film in quite a few years, oh, okay. uh, so I. I remember bits of it, 
but not a lot of it. And I was like, what the fuck? How does he end up here? How is he so good at fighting? Not realising that obviously then we get the flashbacks yeah. to find out about it. Um, my first note is Liam Neeson has gravitas. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, he just appears, just walks in that cell. Oh, Mr. Wayne, you want to beat up six criminals? And he's like, oh, I count there were seven. Side note, there were seven. Yeah. So um, clearly Ducard can't count. <laughs> um, you've already ahead of me like one note into the film how <laughs> because i love this film so i made lots of oh it. no yeah true uh the opening fight scene in the prison is awesome it is um it's a bit grubby fight scene it's a dirty fight oh absolutely yeah. and not just because they end up rolling around in the muck just like <coughs> from this right from the start it yeah. is a dirty it's like bite punch and kick fight yeah a lot of the time you'll see fights on screen and it's like well choreographed and yeah you kind they of take time at, out to quippy one-liners yeah, yeah. and things this, yeah there's an element of realism in the fact that, like, how much of this fight is seems. Yeah, uncorrect. it's a brawl, isn't yeah, it? More yeah, than, more than a well choreographed fight. Um, I love. We get to see Bruce Wayne train. We've done that. Um, I love the soundtrack to this film so much. I bought it on CD, mm. as I mentioned earlier. I especially like the way the music builds as he climbs the mountain yeah. to see Razal go. Every time we cut back to him in a different place there's an extra element yeah or the or that recurring like duh, 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 it's got louder in the mix <laughs> it works really well on a subconscious level to get to the yeah top of the it, it's but, funny because we both now bought uh hand zimmer soundtracks i've got i've got a couple of you you just said you bought the batman begins one and i bought the pirates of the caribbean one I, <laughs> I've got the soundtrack album to all three films in this trilogy. I love the fact that that you look at like some uh, like film composers. Yeah. I mean, you look at John Williams. Oh yeah. You buy a John Williams album, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I say this in the best possible way. They're largely interchangeable. Yeah, because he has a style. He has a. Someone does John Williams. He's very. He's got a very melodic style. Yes. As opposed to someone like Hans Zimmer, is more about tone atmosphere yeah. and building like tension it's, it's just weird to me that the the same man that wrote like the 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 league of shadows theme oh, yeah. also wrote he's pirate a pirate yeah <laughs> that, it just baffles me that must be like like we kind of do on this podcast like when we get a bit bored of like <laughs> oh, watching films and stuff We'll be like, oh, we'll just do bullshit next week. We'll just do bullshit next week. Like, yeah. there must, there's an element of what Hans Zimmer does where he must have, because he's Hans Zimmer, <laughs> he must have all the options, right? Yeah. So he's just like, well, oh, I've just done Batman. That was very dark, very dissonant, very tension atmosphere. Yeah. I want to go and do something fun just to have a break. Yeah. I'll go do Pirates of the Caribbean. I'll go and do Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. So that constant variety must be one of the things that really drives him. Yeah. Like, Hans Zimmer does a great job in this film, but when we get to The Dark Knight, oh, my God, even Hans, <laughs> everybody ups their game, including Hans Zimmer. I have a, I have a note about, uh, about uh, what's his name, Ducard? Yeah. Hey, Bruce, you should come join our little gang. Yeah. Oh, but first, go do this ridiculously specific task that'll probably kill you. So he spends all that time convincing him, no, you should definitely come join us. You know, it's awesome. We've got this cool club. Yeah. It's brilliant, mate. You can meet this cool guy, Raz al Ghul. He's, he's lit. But first, you got to go and do this. You go and get a flower and climb a mountain with it. Yes, he's like he's like Nicholas Cage. He's like, please, mate, Ghost Rider. Please, mate, Ghost Rider. Oh, you're going to make Ghost Rider. I need forty. You got to give me all the fucking money. Yeah, exactly, right? 
Um, I'm not a man that ever needs to see the Batman origin ever again. <laughs> but here they do a real good job of humanising Thomas Wayne and letting us see how close he is with Bruce so that we are somewhat invested and feel for Bruce when he is shot. And it's so subtle and so almost forgettable in a way. The fact that, like, we we get them shots of Bruce as a child, right? Mm. We don't... A lot of filmmakers would have just jumped straight to Zorro. I, I don't know if they're actually watching Zorro in this, but that's canon. But they would go straight to the theatre. Uh, they'd they, come out... Not. It was in one of the notes, he said he avoided that because he wanted the idea of... Bruce Wayne becoming Batman to be an entirely original thing rather than inspired by something else, which is also why no other superheroes exist in, in Nolan's yeah. Batman world. Okay. Well, a lot of filmmakers would have just jumped straight to the theatre, yeah. straight to Crime Alley, at the pearls or whatever the floor, <laughs> and then that would be it, right? But we get no more than about, probably about two minutes. Mm-hmm. But we get the bit where he's playing with Rachel at the beginning, which establishes their relationship. Yeah. Then we see the bit where he falls down the uh, the well, well, yeah, which is his, where we establish his fear of bats. But then Thomas Wayne comes and gets him, right? Mm. Brings him to the top. And then we see them together and we see their relationship. Now, if you're not watching this film in order to podcast about it, <laughs> You're probably not going to really, on a conscious level, realise what they've done. Yeah. But on a subconscious level, we've seen how close they are, how much Bruce looks up to him, how he's his hero. So when we get to that scene where he gets shot, you really... I mean, yeah. I really feel for Bruce because they've already established the connection. The connection, yeah. And that's something that... I mean, I rally a lot against films where they just drop something on you and you're like... And you're supposed to care about yeah. it and you're like... But you, I don't... There's not, you, I have no connection to this thing or yeah. this person. But yeah. here, they've very subtly given you just enough that you're invested in this father-son relationship. I don't give a fuck about the mum. No. They like, barely even show you the pearls. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the maternal figures in this film yeah. are basically non-existent. Yeah. As a counterpoint to that... Okay. I don't like Dr. Thomas Wayne. I think he's creepy and condescending. And in the Wayne household, everything is a teaching moment. Even when your son has fallen down a well and broken his arm, you can use the time to condescendingly ram a lesson down his throat. <laughs> I love it when he says, like, oh, should we take him to the hospital, sir? And he's like, oh, I'll set the bone. Yeah. I'll take him for an x-ray later. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, really? Really? Well, he's a doctor. You've been teaching not a fucking x-ray machine. It could be internal hemorrhaging. He could have an x-ray machine in his house. He's a fucking billionaire. I mean, that's not the point. That's like you. Like, if code is like, oh, Dad, my computer don't work. It's like, should I take it to PC World? Or should I just, you know, take it upstairs to my office and do it myself? It's not the same thing at all. How is it not? Because the people of PC World are probably less qualified to fix that machine than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not just going, oh, yeah, yeah, turn it off and on again and I'll fix it later. But even if I am, it's a PC. It's not your child. Okay. <laughs> Early on, on this podcast, there was a lot of talk of things that you'd stolen from films and added to your lexicon <laughs> yes. or things that, you know, you based your life on. I got a couple in today's film. Oh, really? Things that I took into my I was going to say, I don't, I don't recall taking anything from this film. I have. Why do we fall? Is this why you wear pearls? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's waiting to get shot in Crime Alley. I'll shoot you in your Crime Alley. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're talking about Batman. It's not Sully Batman. I'll be your Judge Hill. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> why did we fall so we can learn to get back up? This became and still is a personal mantra of mine. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Um, having lost a parent, I feel so much for young Bruce. Uh, to be fair, your dad wasn't murdered in front of you. He was. Cancer killed him. Right? Oh. No, to be fair, though, he died right I watched the fucking life drain out of his eyes. So. Yeah, but neither of us watched our dads get shot. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Probably I, would have been quicker. I love I love the way that they make a point of wearing gauntlets during the training montage as they are an iconic part of the Batsuit. I really like those. Yeah. I, re- I really like the whole the whole aesthetic League of Shadows has going on. I've got... Where's my note? Um, where is it somewhere? Jesus, I've got a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see. <laughs> basically, I've got a note that says I have a fashion note. When they're dressed in their League of Shadows yeah, yeah. outfits, they look so fucking cool. I, I and I know it's not really that. a fashion note. Because it's not really fashion, <laughs> but they look so fucking cool. If I could go about my daily life, just just wearing that, a, yeah, yeah the, the League of Shadows, the little armor yeah. things that they wear. I'm like, I need me some of that. Yeah, me too. And when they're doing the uh, the fight scene, when they're having the sword fight on the ice. Oh yeah, uh, Liam Neeson's stuff. It's like, did you just steal that from the set of episode one yeah. and dye it black? I think so. Because with the addition of the gauntlets, you're yeah. basically wearing Qui Gon's outfit there. I was like, I like that. Theatricality and deception are powerful instruments. We know. <laughs> you must become more than a man in the mind of the listener. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Batcast yes. from now on. Uh, Raz Al Ghul's training can be used by everyone. Facing your fears and having the will to act will revolutionise your life. Oh, I thought you meant making them climb a mountain and then beating <laughs> the shit out of them. <laughs> you know, that could also be... <laughs> that's, that's how I've been training Cody since yeah. I watched his film. That's Yesterday, that's... I made him climb up a hill and then kicked him in the head. <laughs> his mother still isn't talking to me. <laughs> but it was okay. I didn't take him to the hospital. I just said, no, no, I'll put a bandage on it and we'll x-ray him later. <laughs> I deserve this, bro. <laughs> You absolutely do. Less than positive things I've said about Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. But still, every comment you make is breaking my heart. I'm trying not to be negative. I said I, this film is all right. And it is. my notes are all right. Watching Alfred try to support Bruce and keep him from truly losing his mind and being consumed by his anger and grief brings back lots of painful, painful memories. <laughs> well, when your family butler tried to look after you. Yeah. I mean, that's your mum. Okay, man, show her some fucking respect. As we've discussed, she is a moist national treasure. You need to show that woman some respect. Bye. Right? <laughs> no mums, remember? Look, uh, this is established in touching canon. You can make fun of your own mum, Ben. <laughs> I can't. She's a cripple. Exactly. I can't take I can't make take the piss out of someone who's, I was about to say retarded. She's not retarded. She's disabled. Quick, moving on. Quick, move on. If you I jumped have, ahead of me if somehow. I ever told you about my infatuation with Katie Holmes. Once or twice, yes. Do you not think... She, again, I was going to say something wrong there. Do you not think she looks a little bit... What's your word? Special. No. In some of these things where she tries to look sad or serious, she just kind of looks a bit... She looks a bit Matt Damon. She looks a little bit... No, you're not seeing that? Clearly just me. 
my entire teenage years were based I on... I think it's that she's getting older because I've ne- I didn't notice this when she was younger. No. But there's a couple of scenes where she looks at it and, and she looks like a... A puppy that's been You've kicked in the head too many times. At this point in time, she's a honorary member of the Church of Scientology. Oh, was she still with old Monotooth at this point? Yeah, because he's the reason that she doesn't reprise her role. In later films, he put his foot down. Ah, uh, okay. The only I mean, thing, that would make me... Yeah, no. The only thing that would improve Batman the Dark Knight would be Katie Holmes playing her character. <laughs> um, uh, Rutger Hauer creeps me out. He's a creepy-looking man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the second he comes on screen as well, he's just sinister. And he's crazy. sinister. Yeah. Like, even when he's being affable and, yeah. and nice. It's that like, no, bit where, where he's, he's like, you must understand that, you know, the wheels are moving and it's such a big thing. I can't, like the whole time I'm sitting there, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah, I'm, something about you. I'm thinking, you how many dead bodies have you got on yeah. your patio, mate? Um, it was all my fault. All my fault. This is when he's talking to Gordon in the police station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all my fault. Oh, no, it's when he's talking to Alfred. Alfred. yeah. It was all my fault. It totally was, Bruce. You got scared of some people on the stage, and now your parents are dead. Good job, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Amy was watching the film with me at this point, and she was like, why is he being such a little bitch? Just close your eyes. It's like, just don't look at them on the stage if that's what's scaring you, because then your parents wouldn't be dead. And I was like, thank you, darling. This is why your child's never going to grow up to be Batman. <laughs> Because I'm not going to get shot coming out the back door of a theatre. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't take my child to see opera. You're like, just close your eyes and pretend it's not there. Just pretend it's not there. Yeah. That's exactly what I say to Amy when we're having sex. Just close your eyes and pretend I'm not here. <laughs> it, it works. Well, at least it did eight and a half years ago. Um, I think due to a series of shit experiences, I carried so much anger at the world and certain people for so long. I can totally relate to Bruce when he goes to court for revenge. I mean, I don't want to say that you are a massive disappointment to me, but Bruce carries all this rage and, and anger, and he becomes Batman. You carry all this rage and anger, and you went on Bumble for a couple of months. I haven't got any rage and anger on him. No. I, I let it all go. You let it all go, exactly. You went all fucking Obi-Wan rather than Bruce Wayne. I said once before on a Batman episode, right, that Batman means a lot to me, and I love Batman, and one day I'd explain why, right? I guess this is the moment. <laughs> I always loved Batman my entire life, right? From as I was a kid, growing up. But once I lost my dad, Batman became like a totem <laughs> to me. Batman or Bruce Wayne lost both his parents, went through absolute hell, but repurposed all that negative energy into the positive of into becoming Batman. The Dark Knight. Yeah, I. And repurposing all those years of negative energy <laughs> to become a mediocre podcaster, to making people laugh and be positive on the podcast, to be a first uh, mental health first aider and help people, and just generally being a more compassionate, positive person. Like now, I said, massive disappointment. Yeah, I know. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of scope for me to grow <laughs> and become a bigger positive influence. But I'm still at the beginning of the journey. I'm still trying. But I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that tap on my window at night. To, you, to see you there, just going, get the tights, I'm Batman. And well, I'll just go off and i become your boy wonder. That will happen. <laughs> I guarantee it will happen. Yeah, but you know what will happen? Fuck off, I'm yeah. sleeping. I'll come back tomorrow. I'm in my fucking 40s. Yeah. I can't do this shit anymore. But like, have you got a ladder? I climbed up, I can't get down. I'm stuck. <laughs> Call the fire brigade. No, but you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I 
Batman become a totem to me, like when I was going through grief and everything else. It was like, you'll go through it, but don't worry, you can come out the other end and be part. Yeah. Like Batman. Like Batman. And that is why I fucking, that's one of the reasons I fucking love Batman. <laughs> um, why have a, why have a gun in the booth with you if it isn't loaded? Or was the safety on? I think this is where he goes and confronts Falcone. And Falcone's like, don't come oh, down yeah, yeah, here yeah. with your rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might think you've got nothing to lose, but what about your little girlfriend? Yeah. And he pulls the gun out and he's like, bang! And he pulls the trigger and nothing comes out. Now, he has it on has the, it right the chair yeah. in the booth right next to him. Obviously, for self-defence. Now, I I'm, it was I, a power play. Power could be, but it could be that, like, you know, if people do actually turn on me, at least I've got a gun handy. Yeah. But... I don't really know enough about guns. If the safety's on, then you pull the trigger. You can't. It? You can't pull the trigger. It's you not can't. The trigger. No. Oh, okay. I'm assuming it just wasn't chambered. Oh, that makes sense. So, because uh, they basically use the the, the the explosion from the bullet, basically cocks a gun and chambers the next round. Oh, okay. that's why when you put the magazine in, you do the yeah, that, that chambers the, the round. One. But if yeah. you haven't, it's just you just the hammer is striking nothing because there's no bullet there. Oh, okay, I've got you right. Uh, Falcone's reaction after. He makes the begging like a dog comment is perfect. Like <laughs> that, is... it's also bullshit because it's like he was right there. Bruce yeah. Wayne uh, was was there. He saw them die. He saw what happened. So yeah. it's like you're clearly chatting shit, mate. Yeah, it's the be- it's the residual sneer. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that, but there are really fucking despicable people in the world <laughs> that will say something. And then they'll have that sneer yeah. as they're waiting for someone else to say to back them up. Yeah. And he's looking around the room. That even the judge is just like, oh, oh. I'm a scumbag. But even though I'm not. That was a bit much, man. He's just got that sneer as he's looking for some kind of like validation and yeah. no one gives it to him. It's absolutely perfect. Um does Bruce does Bruce know he is leaving to train when he first runs away and jumps on the boat? Or is he just running? I think away he, at that point, I always interpreted that as him taking on board. Like when like, mate, he says, you yeah. don't know this, it's a world you'll never understand. So Bruce is like, well, I'm going to fuck off and become a yeah. criminal. So I do understand it. Yeah. He's, he's going, not, to, I think he's going to train, but not in the way yeah, that he ends up doing starting it. Starting his journey to Batman. He's just starting his journey. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Uh, what was, I around there. Uh, oh yeah. Em- embrace your worst fears, Bruce. Just do an Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's one way to sort it. I can just imagine it like he opens the thing. Matt comes out and just grabs yeah. it. <laughs> um, Bruce says that the first time he had to steal so that he didn't starve to death, he got a better understanding of right and wrong. Mm. I think if everyone had to face that dilemma, society would have a lot more compassion towards people who break the law for survival. Yeah, absolutely. Most I mean, most of the people who rail against, you know, was it? The government minister came out the other day and said that people stealing um, in desperation, you know, should have the book thrown at them. And it's like, so the most desperate people in society you're going to make an example of, what, don't vote for Tories? Yeah. It's, it's the example you're making, you know, 10 years of Tory government has driven people to steal to feed their families, and you're going to make an example of them and hold them up and, and throw the book at them. It's very easy for people like us, basically, who were born with white privilege, two parents in the suburbs, mm. not really having to deal with a tremendous amount of hardship growing yeah. up, to look at people 
and judge them and be like, get a fucking job, stop being a scumbag, do this, do that. But I think that judgment and that perspective would go away if people had to spend yeah. a week I mean, yeah, we, in those people's shoes. It's easy enough for people in our lane of life, which is not particularly high up the, up no, the ladder no, of no, society. No, no. You, you look at these people who live in their ivory towers oh, and absolutely. who never have to even communicate yeah. with, with you know, the, the lower classes. So you can kind of see how it is very easy for them to sit there and judge and say, well, just don't be poor because yeah. they can't conceive of any other way. Everyone, everyone in that sort of, they should have, they should be forced to confront that to understand it. There in was some a way. spate of time where, like Channel Five and I think MTV and some other people were doing these programs where they took really rich people, uh, secret millionaires and undercover boss and things like that. Uh, they switched people, so they took people that like super rich people, and then they put them in a poverty-stricken house, and they put the poverty-stricken people in the super rich. That's house just really mean to the poverty-stricken people, and made them live for like two weeks. And you see the rich people be like, um, can someone bring a car around? And they're like, we ain't got a fucking car. We're going to afford petrol. <laughs> you're going to have to walk to the shop. And it's like, okay, what shop are we going to? Like Harrison? No, oh, mate, we're going to Little. And <laughs> they, they look on these rich people's faces as they realise how the other half live. Yeah. If everybody, like, do you know, like National Service, if everybody yeah. had to go and spend a year living without their white privilege, without... Every, all the other things that um, keep them mm. where they are and keep them with this fucking perspective. I think society would be a much better place. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Um, there's my fashion note. <laughs> Michael Caine is an inspired choice for Alfred. He really is. Whoever threw that <laughs> name out during during those early pre-production meetings deserves a fucking medal. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, right. This film has good moments of levity and a couple that I feel are forced. Bruce and Alfred's conversation on the jet is one of the good ones. Oh, yeah. You can borrow the roles if you want, just bring it back from a full tank. (laughs) Because it's it's kind of like organic, natural ribbing of each other and catching up as you would when you don't want to get too deep in your surface level. Now, there's a couple of bits that I feel are forced, like (laughs) nice coat and... Um, like that. <laughs> but there's a couple of moments like that where I feel someone at the studio has come back to him and said, you know, this is bit, very bit dark. dark and bleak and realistic and gray. Can you throw a couple of jokes in there? And they're the kind of one-liner jokes yeah. that do provide levity, but feel like they were maybe kind of a little bit shoehorned in. Yeah. in to make someone at the studio happy. Uh, got a tip for the League of Shadows. Next time, maybe keep your explosives somewhere that an errant spark won't destroy your whole secret base and kill your leader. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce Bruce Wayne resembles a Tim Burton character when he has those, those long memory cloth fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wholeheartedly approve of how overly dramatic Batman is when he first appears at the docks. like Oh, yeah. <laughs> not just, like, I understand the- theatricality and deception and you want to be more than just a person, but hey, he's super drama queen. Super dramatic, yeah. <laughs> and I wholeheartedly appreciate He it. is extra. I want to learn Batman's disappearing act. It would help a lot in social situations. Would indeed. If I could just wait for someone to, to look the other way and just disappear. 
Uh, spelunking is a great word. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just like, you could just call it cave diving. No, no, no. We've got our own word yeah. for that. Spelunking. Yeah. It sounds like a sex act. It sounds does. like something yeah. you should be saying next time fucking um, Mr. Vanilla comes on. Yeah. So, have you ever spelunked? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. uh, oh, yeah. This film basically takes a couple of hero montages and makes them into the entire first hour of this film. Yeah. That is basically it's just one long hero montage. There's a couple of bits of character development thrown in there, but it's basically a hero montage for a fucking hour. And it wasn't until you, it's not until you get to the end of it and sort of like the second part of the film starts, you're like, holy fuck, I see what you did there, yeah. Nolan. It's not <laughs> until he comes back to Gotham and Act 2 begins. Yeah. Like when the guy comes in and informs him about the uh, microwave and mirror. Yeah. That's like Act 2 starting. And then you go... Oh, hang on. Now we're just... Uh, uh, now you're giving us the catalyst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Again, I've seen, okay, what, you I seen what you did there. Um, is there anything cooler than seeing Batman stood on top of an old Gothic building <laughs> looking down on Gotham like a guardian angel? That is, yeah. There's that is nothing a great cooler shot. Than that. I nothing love that. cooler. Uh, Playboy Bruce Wayne has massive American psycho vibes for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. Um... Here's, here's the other little mantra I took with me from this film. It's not who you are, who you are underneath. It's what you do. Did you see that that's you. my next note and I had to get in before I said no, it? No, it's literally, <laughs> literally my next note after American Psycho. Uh, my, my, my note on that is, shit, does that mean we're defined by this podcast? Because this is what we do now. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I, I know it's a lot of bullshit and a lot of smart... <laughs> But at the end of the day, we're putting smiles on people's faces. So, what defines us... Are you calling me a clown? What defines us is... Sorry, I'm in one of those moods today. (laughs) It just happened to be when we're watching one of my... One of your favourite films, films. yeah. Um, I'm in a very contrary mood. But ultimately, if you boil it all down, what we're doing is is being positive. I suppose, yeah. We're giving people a a two to three hour break from... The fucking foreboding, show of the world. ominous world we live in. Yeah, that's true. Um, I never realised Joffrey was in this film until I watched it last night. I, I only realised that yeah. from the, my notes. And I was like, is he? And of course, then he comes yeah. wandering out. Oh, my God, yeah. Fucking Joffrey. <laughs> fucking Joffrey. Should have yeeted him over the balcony, mate. I need a secret piano-activated bookcase door in my house. <laughs> That again, <laughs> if I ever win the lottery, Dark Knight, Batman, replica suit, and secret, secret piano. Room. It's all about the secret room. Doorway to my very own back cave. Um, I love the scene with uh, Detective Flash and the whole up. Oh, down, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the drop yeah, in yeah, and the raising yeah, yeah. thing. That is absolutely, it's probably one of my favourite scenes. It's genius. It's yeah. Batman being scary and intimidating, but not actually having to use a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It's he never actually, like, assaults the guy. It's I just like, up like, and down. Flash knows <laughs> where he is, and he's like, Flash will never talk. Flash will talk to me. <laughs> He'll talk to me. I'm Batman. Um, if you want someone to get you all the relevant info on your stolen, we- stolen weapon, you might not want to inform that person <laughs> he's been sacked. Yeah. There was no NDA or anything. Yeah. It's just like, you're fired and I'm going to be a dick about it. <laughs> but also, yeah, yeah, yeah no, secret no, I need weapon. you to do this thing for me. Yeah, go and do this thing. And then, the oh, yeah. most important. Yeah. 
It's like he says I need it on my desk immediately. Why? What happened? Did you lose one? Oh, you're fired. Yeah. Well, who the fuck's going to get you the information, you prick? <laughs> that escalated real quick. Fire him after he's put the I'd information like, on your desk. You don't need to know. Just get that shit on my desk. And then when he comes and presents it, I'd be like, yes, you're fired. <coughs> you, didn't, you didn't photocopy any of this shit, did you? No. <laughs> it's not in your Dropbox, is it? <laughs> <laughs> can you log onto your phone so we can... Yeah, you have got to charge it, have you? <laughs> Fucking lazy cunt. <laughs> Using the bats as a distraction is brilliant. I my note on that is I wish I could call a whole flock of yeah. bats to help me in difficult situations. <laughs> yeah, just imagine that. It's just like, oh, I've done a bad thing. I gotta get out of here. Bats go. <laughs> Next time I get dragged into a meeting with HR, just be like, I got an itchy foot. Boom, and then the bats come in, yeah. and like, Poof, I'm gone. <laughs> and then I can use my Batman disappearing act, and there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Daddy, how are babies made? Bats! Yeah. Reggie, can you help me? Bats. bats. <laughs> Reggie, uh, are you? Bats. I mean, can you come around and help with some DIY? Bats! bats. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sir, do you know how fast you were going? Bats! bats. <laughs> Reggie, it's my turn for an orgasm. Bats! bats. <laughs> <laughs> this film has almost no negatives for me, personally. Batman driving the tumbler on the rooftops is a glaring... I'm really glad you said that, because my note on that scene is the Batmobile driving and fucking jumping on roofs is ridiculous, and one of my few genuine complaints against this film. It's one of them things that if it happened... I mean, I have to point it out, (laughs) as much as I fucking love this film, and you'll see by the score I give it, I fucking love this film. (laughs) I can't rightly sit on this podcast... And make fun of, you know, that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where he's running around the thing <laughs> and reaching for the key. Yeah. If I'm not going to then point out the fact that it's fucking ridiculous that he drives around. It weigh, it's got to weigh like several tons. Yeah. It lands on the roof of a building. The whole building shakes, like the roof bounces. Yeah. And yet it doesn't go through it. You know, you get builders up on your roof here and there's a chance they're going to go through it. I can't <laughs> sit here and crucify that bit in Ghost Rider where he skims down the side <laughs> of the bridge. The side and of the bridge. If I don't. <laughs> yeah. This, I don't. It feels like this is in a similar vein. It's like, this will look really cool. And you're like... But oh. uh, for me, that that stretches the... the. It's, again, like, is there's every chance it was a Christopher Nolan idea, right? Yeah. But there's also every chance that someone at the studio is like, film isn't really comic booky, Like... I thought comic books were larger than life. And yeah. You're meant to suspend belief. And this isn't film. We need something a bit really more like outlandish. Yeah. Yeah. Hence this scene. Now, the only other real negative, I mean, I've got, there's little bits like, why does he have a gun if it's not loaded and yeah. this and that. But the only other major negative for me is he goes from returning to Gotham, putting his suit together to suddenly, like, you know, facing the main boss. <laughs> I would love, like, I personally would love like 20 minutes of just watching Batman run around Gotham night after night. Yeah. Punching evil in its punching, fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> and then build up to this. Yeah. But this is a two films, two hours, 20 minutes. We don't really have another 20 minutes. Of- and has a lot of story to tell. Yeah. So I can understand. Yeah. But they are the only two glaring negatives. Um, I've got being driven around by Batman in the Batmobile in a police chase. Whilst dosed up with oh, concentrated yeah. fear toxin. How does she even survive? I don't know. It's like, you know, the regular people we see there are terrified yeah. just by someone wearing a sack on their face. 
I mean, being driven around in that situation would be scary enough. Yeah. Yet alone being dosed up with that. She should have just died of a heart attack immediately. Everybody else, when they when they're dosed and they see Batman, sees the scariest possible thing. But maybe it's because she's predisposed to liking Batman because Batman's because of, yeah. Who knows? Maybe but, it was her pointy nipples that saved her. Yeah, oh yeah those... that that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the internet going wild when they spotted that, and yeah. it's like, God damn, is your that fear toxin? Yeah, you're not. You don't really see it at all. But there's that scene, and there's one later on where she comes into the rubble of the burning house. Yeah, in that white blouse. And yeah, and it's just like, whoa! You need to calm down, love. Um, the first time I saw this film, I did not see the reveal who of who Ra's al Ghul actually was coming when they turn up to the party at the end. Really? Yeah, I didn't see it coming. Oh, okay. And I know I'm the one that normally sits here going, oh, these films are predictable. I knew this was coming, but I guess I was probably just so wrapped up in everything. And the fact that, in my mind, the guy who's meant to be Ra's al Ghul Mm. resembles what I would imagine Ra's (laughs) al Ghul to look like way more than Liam Neeson in his suit. Do you know what I mean? Um, one of my favourite, one of the funniest scenes in this film is Alfred loading an unconscious Rachel into the back oh, of the car yeah, yeah, yeah. on top of the golf clubs. <laughs> the other, the catering staff are just like, yeah. <laughs> rather the worst, worst for wear. It's like, yeah. uh-huh, we know how you get your kicks, Alfred. Yeah, post Harvey Weinstein. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole different spin on that scene, yeah. isn't there? Uh, poor old Lucius. He, he's just there trying to enjoy his, the buffet at his rich friend's birthday yeah. party. And all of a sudden, he gets sent off to go and break in to Wayne Enterprises and work for free. Yeah. It's like, I mean, give the guy a break. He's just been fired. To be fair, he does then get rewarded with, you know, being CEO of... He does get to become, yeah, I mean... Later on. Of, I mean, there are swings and roundabouts, but, you know, you can just imagine, you're there tucking into some quail's eggs and some fucking horses' duvets, and, like, and you, he comes over and it's like... <sighs> You need to go and break in and do work because I'm that man in my house. Oh, for fuck's sake, all right, it's my night off, Bruce. It's like, come, come on, on, man. I literally just got fired today. I'm having a bad week. I need some me time. No, fear toxin. I'm that man. Oh, all right, fuck's sake, Bruce. For you. But you owe me big time. I'll make you CEO. That's on- how the conversation goes in my mind. <laughs> on Lucius Fox. I really like his character. Yeah. And I really like how they use him. Because he's obviously like Q, right? Yes. He's yeah. like the Q of, of this Batman universe where Bruce can go to him and he's got the gadgets and he's yeah. got the things that help him put together his arsenal. Because otherwise we'd need an extra hour of the film watching Bruce build oh. his own arsenal and stuff. But No bad time for that. <laughs> he has... An incredible amount. He adds an incredible amount of levity. Yes, he does. Like, like very subtly though. It's like that scene where he's like, um, "Is it more spelunking?" And he's like, "No, base jumping." He's like, "Oh, <laughs> base jumping." Is that like parachuting? And he's like, "Just don't take me for an idiot." And yeah. All stuff. That conversation, and then later on when he comes in, when he when he's he's had to uh, come up with the antidote. And yeah. He's like, yeah. Are you, do you expect me to know what any of that means? And he's like, no, I just wanted you to know how hard, how hard it was. Yeah. Like, there's all these very understated, but yeah, very British. It is a very British humour. Yeah. And it's bizarre because it's perfect for Morgan Freeman. Yeah. That is very much his, his type of humour, I think. And uh, Hollywood, we need at least 10 more films 
where Morgan Freeman gets to act opposite Michael Caine. Yeah, who the fuck? Why why the fuck have Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman not done more films together? They should just be doing... They they should have a franchise of buddy comedies. Buddy comedies, yes. Bigger than Fast and Furious. There should be more films in that franchise. I would watch nine films in that franchise. Oh, yeah. You You could have, like... You could have other people swinging by for cameos. Like, yeah, of course. Fucking, um, who's the other guy with the voice? Uh, Sir Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. People like that just swinging by, you know, for, for drop-in roles, or B-string characters in these films. Just charming old men doing cool stuff. Hollywood, we'll let you have that one. We'll, we'll give you that one for free because, you know... The world needs that right now. <laughs> There's a scene towards the end, right, when there's so much chaos going on between the Narrows and, like, um, Jim Gordon having to go and do his bit. Yeah, yeah. All, there's all this stuff going on, right? And there's this lovely moment where the Tumblr's automatic voice, automatic? Automated voice, contextualises the moment and provides, like, a kind of timestamp. <laughs> It's as Jim Gordon first drives out and it says, you are three miles from Oh, the, the sat-nav. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in that moment, if you're paying attention in that moment, you're like, right, he's three miles away from where he needs to get to. Batman's relatively in the same place. So they've got three miles yeah. until the combination of this. And I just think it's such a clever, almost subconscious thing yeah. that you may not be paying attention to. But in that moment, when you hear that, you're like, Right, we know three. They're three, three miles, miles away. away. Yeah, even if he's driving at fifty miles an hour, it's going to take him a certain amount of time to get there. A, a, towards the end of that scene, as he spins the Batmobile around and drives yeah. off, you hear the sat nav say, "In two hundred yards, turn right." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, like, "That's what you need in your Batmobile." Yeah. Even even Batman, even needs. Batman. Yeah. Yeah, like, although he has the voice turned on, and yeah. I'm not about that. <laughs> um, the moment where Raz faces imminent death and closes his eyes to meditate takes me right back to. Qui-Gon Qui-Gon, a very facing off with Darth Maul. Yeah. yeah. Um, watching Crane slash Scarecrow get tasered in the face. Brilliant. It's, Absolutely brilliant. His whole character is intensely unlike oh, yeah, throughout yeah, the yeah. film. Um, and it's a real cathartic moment, especially the fact that it's not Batman or some other, you know, some other guy who yeah. beats him up. It's little Rachel Dawes with yeah. a taser straight in his face and he runs off screaming. It's brilliant, especially on and that scene earlier where she's got she's about to get murked. Yeah, yeah. And she pulls it out. She pulls it like, out. Yeah, you yeah, run you run. And she turns around and gets freaked out by Batman and shoots him. <laughs> and he just sees her and goes, Yeah, he just brushes <laughs> it off. Um I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. In this Perfect situation, Batman, that's yeah. basically the same thing, Bats. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's not dying by his hand. It's like, oh no, it's not it's not me that kills you, it's the train. Oh, Raz of Ghoul set this entire fucking train in motion. Yes. Pun not Pun- intended. Yeah. Not intended. But he's the one that sets this course of events going. He's the one that gets on the train. If it wasn't for him, Batman would have any, wouldn't have anyone to like wouldn't have any need to save anyone. Yeah. So basically he's dug his own fucking bed. Plus, it's a really good way of, like, you know, Batman not having to kill someone. Batman not having to kill someone, yeah. As heartbreaking as it is, Rachel walking away from Bruce is the perfect way to end that relationship in this film. Yeah. If they get together... Uh, yeah, it's it a bit Peter Parker, Mary Jane. Spoils. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of taste left in my mouth 
But the fact that she's like, she has that very clever and not well, kind of. I think it's clever anyway. You'll probably <laughs> shout me down. It's not a fucking <laughs> jar for the sand. So you know. Um, it was dirt. She's not like, sand. she's like, not cocaine either, Amber. Sorry. It's the bit where she's like. Once I saw your mask, I realised that yeah. Batman's gone, and he's like, "Well, oh, no, that's Batman." She's like, "No, no, no. This, this is mask. the mask." I'm just like, "Oh, it's such a melancholic way to end this film." She's such a Brilliant. she's such a prick tease, though. Oh, absolutely! Because she, because she gives she it all the come on and all the smoochy smoochy, and she then she turns goes, up with her hard nipples. With her nipples pointing out, she gives him that kiss that's like the kiss to end all fucking kisses. Yeah. The way she slowly goes about it. And you're like, oh. And then she's like, no, you're wearing a mask. And then she's like, but "But you wear bat masks. So nah. But maybe in the future. Maybe. Maybe if you wore, I don't know, a green mask and a shiny green wing. (laughs) (laughs) She wants that green lantern D. Um, My last note, the moment with a joke card at the end is the best setup for a sequel I've ever seen. Uh, It's a very good setup. Um, I can't remember what that card is a replica of. I read it in, but it's a replica of what the card from one of the comics. Oh, okay. It's an exact it's, yeah. replica of it, apparently. Um, I like the fact that it's straight in with the worries about escalation. Oh yeah, yeah which yeah. like Mar- Marvel didn't get into until like the fucking Sokovia Accords, where they yeah. were like, well, you know, since you appeared, all these w- costumed weirdos have appeared. This one's just like straight in the first film. Bosh, other weirdos dressing up in costume because of Batman. It's a major. Plot point yeah. in the Dark Knight, as is the Joker. And we saw it in uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, uh, we discussed it in that. That yeah. it's like you know, is he causing these people to get worse because he escalated and now they're escalating? Especially and- Batman and the Joker, they are ostensibly two sides of the same coin. It's with them. It's a constant game of one-upmanship, yeah. isn't it? So to introduce not only the Joker but the a fundamental plot point for the entire next film in that last scene and it not be clunky and it not be like, well, there's definitely going to be a sequel. That's why I've done this. this, this. Yeah. yeah. It's if they never make a sequel, right? (laughs) If they never made the other two, if this does terribly at a box office, you could watch this film. Yeah. You'd have a bit of Joker would have been in the next one. Joker would have been the next one, but, it ends perfectly well. Yeah. You don't need... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah I get it. It's done very, very subtly. Yes. It's 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 clever because it's both blatant and subtle because yeah. everyone knows Batman, the Joker. Yeah. The two just follow. You know, you think Batman, the next door is Joker. Yeah. Um, so having that, it's both subtle because it's... it Yeah. It's, it's an obvious es- escalation yeah, from the... But it's, it's also blatant because it yeah. says... Joker, right there, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, yeah it's, it's a big, it's a good way of doing it. So, this is the point of the podcast. This is the point where you're getting nervous. Where we're going to come to blows because <laughs> you're not going to give it a good enough score. <laughs> I'm going to prove to you right now that I'm not just increasing my score to counteract you. Bloody hell! Okay, yeah, I mean, you have to announce that. Batman Begins gets a 9.5. 9.5. I feel really me. bad now. Because <laughs> I had my score. And to be honest, nothing we've talked about today has made Listen, me want to increase it. There's, I can't sit here on certain episodes and be like, 
It's far a good film. It's just not for me. And then judge you <laughs> when you're like, you know, I've got nothing bad to say about the film. I've got nothing it's bad to not, say about it. It just doesn't talk to me the way it talks to you. No. So, go on. Give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's a seven. I mean, that's, to be fair, that's the same score as Predator, so... Yeah, it's like I said. Oh no, that's my original score. That was your original score, Predator. Predator. Yeah, there are lots of good films that got seven. Yeah, like I'm predisposed. I love Batman, and as I've said, there are personal mantras for the <laughs> film. There are things I relate to in this film. There's all all those fantasies I have about being Batman. <laughs> so I'm predisposed, and I fucking just love this film. <laughs> Plus, we talked about it once before. It's like I love the dark gray. Yeah, as realistic as possible version of Batman that they portray in the, in the first two films. At least the third one, it gets a bit. They have to escalate and make yeah, it bigger, yeah. and it gets too big, in my opinion. But that's not necessarily your sensibility. It's probably why I prefer the latter two films in this trilogy yeah. to this one because they do escalate it. Yeah, I've said it before. My favorite Batman is the Batman from Brave and the Bold. Yeah, which is the polar opposite yeah. of this Batman because it is mass it's bright it's colourful it's over the top yeah. and it's it's not quite the Bat God ideal yeah. but it's pushing that he's way he's not Bat God in this he'll become the closest thing Christopher Nolan gets to Bat he God. gets a bit Bat Messiah doesn't he in Dark Knight Rises yeah but in this they really do stick to that the kind of year one yeah he's still learning kind of idea but that's just where we have different sensibilities yeah we're both we both want different things from batman yeah. and i think this was kind of inevitable but that does give it a very respectable 16.5 i'm telling you though <laughs> we will come to blows if the dark knight doesn't get at least 8.5 <laughs> you can't go dictating my scores you pissed all over starship troopers which is one of my favorite films okay <laughs> See, again, that's the difference. Like, again, like, this film is dark and moody and... Yeah. <laughs> Everything that Starship Troopers is not. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did say early on in, in on the point of one of the first episodes, like, as you go through, you'll see all the very dark, moody choices <laughs> will be my favourites and all the fun, silly stuff will be yours. And I think... Well, we, got, we got the same score as Pineapple Express, which is, you know... And- and Predator, the revisited version. And Deadpool. Oh, no. It got more than Deadpool. Deadpool only got 16. Oh, this is a far superior film to Deadpool. Mm, mm. In my <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop winding you up now. <laughs> there we go. So what did, what did you think, people? What do you think of this film? What score would you give it out of 10? Yeah, please actually come back to us. Let us know because apparently this is something we should do. I've, I've noticed on the podcast groups we have to we have to put questions out there and invite engagement for our lazy fucking audience who never engage. Just want us to sit and wade through tons of fucking <laughs> videos and <laughs> bullshit. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of excluding the cultists do you know from that because they do engage. Like the first fifty episodes where we were like, "Tell us what you think about this," and got nothing. We got so nothing. We stopped. Yeah, we stopped. Yeah, but now uh, we're inviting engagement. It, well, okay. What did you think of this film? Who's Am I right? right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of us is right? <laughs> we both went to the same point. Yeah. No, well, give me vindication. <laughs> yeah. Vindicate me. This is a great film. <laughs> Find what you love, believe in it, positive things will happen. And remember, it's not who you are underneath, it's what you do that defines you. 
Batman.